following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. One, two, this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. Just in case you've forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the two-time wrestling radio show of the year, Wrestling News Live. The bad boys of wrestling radio, the trade up. We will never use the words shit, God, Jesus, or any other racial or sexual slurs. And JJ Sexay. I did not. I repeat, I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up all night. Wrestling News Live. For the fans, by the fans. That's right, the franchise is back. Wrestling News Live. We are demanding more respect from you starting now. Here are your hosts, the Trey Dog and JJ Sexay. Guys, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network, broadcasting at www.sundaynightshowdown.com, audiowrestling.com, and of course, wrestlingnewslive.tk. What an interesting night. It is November 29th, 2010. We just watched the three hour edition of Monday Night Raw. I am Mr. Money on the Mic. JJ Sexay and joining me, he is the founder of Wrestling News Live. The dog, guess who's back, is in the house. Well, 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 the dog can make it through the show tonight. My voice, I'm telling you, has been shit 
for the last three days. But we'll get through, I promise. And I learned a very valuable thing tonight. And I'm not exactly 100% sure in what my partner has planned to discuss. Um, but we are going to take some time tonight. I don't care if it means overtime to do it. We are going to take some time to discuss something that I found out tonight. I've thought this way for a while, and I think tonight I saw it come to fruition for the first time on television that I can remember, and it, it just, in one segment, backed up everything that I had been thinking for the last, I don't know, couple years now I've, I've i've thought this and i've brought it up several times with no real way of proving it but tonight i can prove it and it's very interesting um something that we'll all need to discuss something that will require the wrestling news live family to chime in with their thoughts be it the chat room be it the email be it the phone lines also want to address uh, something that happened this afternoon. I got a message from Brian at AudioWrestling.com, and they are getting ready to fully launch the Wrestling Radio Awards. And what they're doing now is just they still have interview of the year open, so if you want to go and vote, make sure you do so. Uh, you can do that at, at WrestlingRadioAwards.com or you can go to WrestlingNewsLive.tk and in the lower left-hand corner of the website, you can click the link and it will take you right to it. I've read a few chatters in the chat room say that their feed skips every now and then. With that being said, just calm down, relax, oxygen, just reset your freaking stream and everything will be okay. All right? Um, the podcast awards. People are asking about that in the chat room. I uh, was sent there by a listener. And I went there with less than a month to get us nominated. I didn't realize what that was at the time. I, I, I thought that it was something that might be fun to try to invade because there were no wrestling shows. And then when I watched their show from last year for the, for the winners, not one wrestling podcast was nominated. And even last night, no wrestling podcasts were nominated. And JJ actually was able to sneak a question in and asked the guy that runs the whole thing, why is there not a wrestling category? And for those of you in the wrestling world, the internet wrestling community, get ready for a laugher because the guy's response was, there's not enough wrestling content on the internet for there to be its own category. Yeah, something about there not being a lot of wrestling radio shows in the market. And I kind of chuckled a little bit and I thought, well, obviously you're out of touch, but yeah. I think uh, these awards, and I went and listened to a couple of shows 
that have won awards in the past and were nominated again last night. And no disrespect, I'm not even going to name names, but they're not even in our ballpark. They're, they're, they don't sound as well. They're not produced as well. They have a lot of dead air. People will, will say something, wait for their co-host to say something. There'll be like 10 seconds of dead air. It's just not... I, I'm fine with not being a part of that. I thought it was a new way to go, but I, I learned last night that's not our cup of tea. And uh, with that being said, we're just going to move on from it and be done. And before we actually get everything underway, before we actually get to the news of the week, um, something happened last night that absolutely upset me, and I'm sure it upset a lot of people around the world. Leslie Nielsen, one of the best comedic actors of his time, of our time, unfortunately passed away due to complications of pneumonia yesterday at the age of 84. He was born in 1926, and he had a long career. Uh, Some of the most notable things that he did were movies like Airplane. Um, When he was a younger man, he was in The Forbidden Planet. Most of you might remember Robbie the Robot that was on, uh, what was it, Lost in Space? Well, Robbie the Robot originated uh, in The Forbidden Planet. And originally, Leslie Nielsen was not a comedic actor. He was a very serious actor. He didn't have big ties to professional wrestling, but he was involved in 1994 with a series of vignettes leading up to the return of The Undertaker at SummerSlam in 1994. And... Trey and I just want to take a few moments to kind of reflect uh, back on some of the funny things that Leslie Nielsen has done. Song of the Night is going to be a tribute to Leslie Nielsen tonight. But uh, for those of you not sure who Leslie Nielsen is, here is some of the things that he's done in his career. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. weeks I've been flying all over the world tracking down every lead I could in my attempts to solve this mystery of the undertaker every trail I followed led to another dead end I don't know what it is but I feel I'm onto something All right, fans, Ray Rougeau here. The Undertaker mystery is thickening. I want to start that over. I didn't like it. There I was, heading poolside, trying to catch some rain. Sorry, Ray. The girls were feeling macho. Macho, man, you're so big. Easy now, girls. It's family entertainment. I had work to do. I was scanning around the globe for clues to the biggest mystery of our time. The sun was extremely bright. If your deductive capabilities were a fraction of what you profess, this incogitable caper would have been solved by now. Thank you, son. Right, kid. And he was right. After all this time, I'm still tormented by that one burning question. How can there be two undertakers? Maybe one is corrupt like you. Police, arrest that man. I will solve this case at SummerSlam. And, you know, not only did Leslie Nielsen do things for the WWE, the WWF at the time, 
But he also did a lot of parodies, especially one that I found for Monday Night Football. Here's a classic with Leslie Nielsen from Monday Night Football featuring the Cincinnati Bengals. You're probably wondering why a primetime sports program is beginning in pitch black. It all began 12 years ago in Cincinnati, Monday, October 19th, 1992. I wore blue, the Bengals wore orange, and Pittsburgh beat them to a pulp only a mother could love. Next thing you know, out went the Monday night lights, and that's how it's been in Cincinnati ever since, known as the dark ages of Bengals football. Probably because they had monks copying their playbooks with them. They only write in Latin, you know. Questions. There were lots of questions. Some would be hard to answer. And others were best left alone. Surely they've had some high draft picks in here. Uh, yeah. But most were busts. Really? Oh, I know a good bust when I see one. Did you just call me Shirley? With what gun? So, just as the winter follows the spring and the sun orbits Uranus, so too must the Bengals return to the bright lights of Monday night. It is destiny. They've been waiting 4,389 days for someone to say this. Cincinnati! <laughs> And again, uh, Leslie Nielsen, dead at the age of 84, passed away last night due to complications of pneumonia. He left an indelible mark on pop culture, whether you're a wrestling fan or not. And uh, I personally mourn that loss. And uh, it's sad to see the guy who starred in such films like the Naked Gun series and Airplane, um, dead at 84. One of the funniest men, I think, on the planet. And uh, we have truly lost a master of his craft. Nice beaver. Thanks. I just had it stuffed. <laughs> I saw that clip today, too. I was actually watching The Naked Gun. I think I saw two or three of them. The, I guess last weekend they were doing a movie marathon. Talk about irony. And uh, uh, just makes you realize, you know, once somebody's gone, how much you're going to miss them. I just watched a movie, and, and it just goes to show you that um, some of these actors, they get so big that they don't care what people think. And that was Leslie Nielsen. He would do anything. If it made him look stupid, he didn't care. Um, I see. It's going to require the chat room to help me here. It's B-movie. I mean, it's a straight-up B-movie spoof of Van Helsing. Oh, Stan Helsing. I know what that is. Yeah, he's in that briefly... As a transvestite. <laughs> with makeup and everything. And you you watch that whole movie going, oh, this is horrible. And Leslie Nielsen comes out towards the end and you're like, oh, okay. You get a laugh or two out of it. You know, just because of Leslie Nielsen. And a movie that you would not expect an actor, I say of that caliber, because all he ever did was the same kind of, you know, comedy but i mean he was the best there is at what he did for that kind of comedy you know but uh yeah it was definitely a shocking whoa there's leslie nielsen in drag oh as a transvestite no less 
Now, you know, I, I know that a lot of the people in the wrestling community, a lot of professional wrestlers uh, that have worked with him, whether it was, you know, on SummerSlam back in 94 or other movie projects, uh, have been tweeting about it and talking about it on the Internet. Paul Bear is the one that sticks out to me right now off the top of my head saying that, uh, you know, he and The Undertaker did get a chance to work with him during that whole Undertaker uh, series of vignettes when Undertaker made his return in 94 and right. that, you know, um, he was a really cool guy. And somebody, and I can't think of who it was, somebody was tweeting that they sat in the airport with him uh, from a trip to Japan to Los Angeles and that he was a real class act and, and a real pro to hang out with. And uh, like I said, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Leslie Nielsen. I know this is a wrestling-related show, but um, what a loss, man. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I really love the hell out of Leslie Nielsen. So, uh you know, may may his movies and his memories and everything he's done over the course of his 84 years on this earth, may they stand out for everybody listening tonight to all his fans. He will always have a legacy in comedic film. Yeah, most definitely. I can remember when I was about eight years old and I was on a bus in the city of Orlando going to uh, Disney World. And it's kind of funny that, you, you know, you... You're sitting on a bus full of civilians going to Disney World, Epcot Center, whatever. And there he is. He's sitting on the bus, you know, just towards the back. And the buses then, they weren't like normal buses where the seats were the way they are on a school bus. It was just one long bench down each side of the bus. So you sat across the bus from people, you know, and you look down and you see Leslie Nielsen and nobody was bothering him. He was, you know, just being by himself and being, you know, normal. And then every time I'd look at him, he knew I knew who he was. He, he just, he knew. And he would point down to the other end of the bus where Buck Rogers was sitting. And those of you that are old enough to remember who Buck Rogers is. And he was, it was his way of saying, yeah, kid, you recognize me, but there's a real star down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't realize that at the time. It took me until I was a little bit older to wonder. But I always wondered why he was pointing at Buck Rogers. And that's why. And, uh, of course, my dad was staring at Buck Rogers' wife. My mom was staring at Buck Rogers. And I was staring at Leslie Nielsen. Is that back when Gil Gerard was married to uh, Monica Selica? Selica? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was hot, man. Monica she Selica was She was every bit hot. as hot in real life as she was on that show Hotel. Oh, God, yeah. She was so hot. But, uh, yeah, she was a beautiful woman, and she was sitting right across from me. And then she divorced him and married John Tesh. What the fuck? Yeah, what, what the hell was that? <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, you know, with that said, I think we should shift the focus and uh, get to the topic at hand, what brings us to the table. It's time to run down a little bit of news. Of course, the news segment here on Wrestling News Live is sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com, the official news source for Wrestling News Live, and we are the official radio show of Wrestling-Online.com. So let's break down the news. Excuse me! Excuse me! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. May I have your attention, please? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. And now the news. All right, to start things off, for those of you who've been living under a rock and don't know what's going on in the uh, WWE right now, Mike Mazanin cashed in Money in the Bank last week over Randy Orton and became the new WWE champion. 
We also realized that John Cena had been fired from the company. Well, he was advertised to be on Raw tonight. As we saw, he was in the crowd. He did deliver a beatdown to a few superstars, which we'll get into that much later on the Raw recap. But uh, it appears now that not only has John Cena been fired, but apparently his Mexican cousin, Juan Cena, has signed a contract with World Wrestling Entertainment and made his debut over the weekend. John Cena was present uh, at the house show to watch his cousin, Juan Cena, take on members of the Nexus. So just when you think you're rid of Juan Cena, we have more, ladies and gentlemen. Juan Cena, the Mexican cousin of John Cena, officially in the WWE. Do I really need to even comment on this? Come on, man. You know you want to. Go for it. Takes one to know one. Takes one to know one. Uh, I give him chances of becoming champion a million to one. Million to one. Million to one. Oh, he's actually the servant of one Alberto Rio. But by night, he's one Cena superhero. Oh, my God. That's some good stuff. Uh, apparently on Twitter, he was basically, uh, John Cena was talking about he got a, uh, what was it, a telegram from Pigeon from Mexico from Juan Cena saying that he had signed the contract uh, in the WWE. And, yes, I'm looking at the chat room, and Filio makes a good point. I mean, this is a lot like the Hulk Hogan storyline that we saw back in, what was it, 2002? Or was it 2003 when Hulk Hogan was fired by Vince McMahon and came back as Mr. America? Very similar to that gimmick. John Cena under a mask known as Juan Cena. <laughs> Gotta love it. Nice. Um, apparently, this is some bad news for TNA. As if, as if they need that, right? But right. bad news for TNA. Uh, apparently, Bravo, the channel which broadcasts TNA Wrestling in the United Kingdom, will be shut down on January 1st following Sky's acquisition of Virgin Media TV, which Bravo was a part of. Basically, they, uh, Sky has bought them, and uh, TV shows currently airing on Bravo will find a new home on a different Sky-owned channel, although it has not been revealed which programs are moving to which channels. Uh, the parent company of Sky Digital owns the rights for all WWE television shows and pay-per-views, and if TNA is moved over, the company will have the rights to both wrestling shows. UFC The Ultimate Fighter also airs on Sky, although UFC airs on USPN. Bravo acquired the rights for TNA in January of 2009. Now, with that being said, do you think that it's Alanis Morissette ironic that the WWE put up one of their did-you-knows tonight about how they are in the homes of so many overseas and growing? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was fairly interesting. I mean, that was kind of a backhanded slap, but hey, oh well, whatever. Well, you know, it happens. Um... See, other big news. Over the weekend, we saw the debut of a new movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, entitled Faster. Now, for those of you who haven't seen The Rock, he beefed up quite a bit to be in this movie. Um, apparently, it bombed at the box office. That's what I'm hearing. It did very bad. I think it pulled in, let me see, $12.2 million in box office revenue and got edged out by three other new releases the same day, Tangled Burlesque, and Love and Other Drugs. It had a wide release of 2,454 theaters, and it was The Rock's first movie back in an action role in quite a few years. Critics on the movie website RottenTomatoes.com gave it 
43%, saying it's good to see Dwayne Johnson back in full throttle action mode, but faster doesn't deliver enough of the high-octane thrills promised by this title. Its audience poll, 66% of those who saw it liked the movie. Well, I was kind of worried about what was going to happen to it coming out with what it came out against. And don't don't think I'm a fag or anything, but I really want to see burlesque. Just because I think I'm a motherfucker. And she gets to sing and dance throughout the whole movie, so I'm all in for that. But um, They did a lot of PR for this movie, too. Like, he was in the booth on Thanksgiving Day doing a play-by-play of the football game with Phil Sims and the other idiot. And uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it looks, it's got him and Samuel L. Jackson, or not Samuel L. Jackson, Billy Bob Thornton, maybe, one of the two. Yeah, it's Billy Bob. Samuel L. Jackson was in the other guys with Will Ferrell and okay, The yeah. Rock. Billy Bob Thornton's in it. It looks like it could be a great movie, but it's another one of those WWE superstars in an action movie where we shoot and kill everything. Well, you know, I think it's disappointing. Uh, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has gotten away from doing action movies for the last couple of years, doing stuff for Disney, and, you know, it kind of sucks. This is his first foray back into action, which is, a, 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 I believe, a category that I thought he would do well in when he initially broke into uh, doing movies, you know, a la The Scorpion King, and, of course, uh, The Mummy Returns was his initial blockbuster hit. But I don't know. I mean, uh, I've often said many times that if The Rock mo- if The Rock's movies keep bombing then maybe in the not too distant future he's going to be making a return um <laughs> to the wwe i'm reading the chat room and they want to know how do you get billy bob thornton and samuel jackson confused well because samuel jackson's in every goddamn movie ever put out how he missed this one he must have just a break well yeah samuel jackson michael kane they're always in everybody's movies and yeah, it is kind of uh, hard to see Samuel L. Jackson and Billy Bob Thornton uh, and Smoochie, get confused there. Says, Smoochie says, there's no nudity in burlesque. No need for me to watch. I'm out. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, moving on, over the weekend, of course, Matt Hardy filmed an episode of NBC's The Marriage Ref. show which involves real-life couples who have been having an ongoing fight and then three celebrity members who serve the panel will decide who think it's right. NBC taped segments of the show at Matt Hardy's crib inside a wrestling ring, and former superstar Gregory the Hurricane Helms was also a part of the taping. Hardy said on Twitter that he had a blast taping the episode, which has no air to date or no date to air as of yet. Here's the thing with that, Trey. What the hell can Matt Hardy bring to the table when it comes to counseling uh, people on their marriage? I mean, let's face it. He's got the most cursed penis in all of professional wrestling. <laughs> all of his relationships have went bad. And it's all in relation to the Matt Hardy penis. So I, I, have, I wondered how long it was going to take for this story and the Matt Hardy penis to be linked. No, the two go hand in hand. Ba-dum, bum, bum, ba-dum, bum, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Yeah, exactly. The 7.30 show is different than the 9.30 show. Come Absolutely back. it is. Yeah, when I read that today, I thought, oh, my God, here we go. Here we go again, Matthew, Matthew all caps with his grapes, giving it advice on marriage. I wonder if CM Punk was mentioned in that. Well, Let me ask my brother, 
Jeff, what do you think about it? I got a baby. I like the wind. I like the trees. I like purple. Did I mention that I like the wind? And I mean, babies? Did I mention I like to paint my body? I like to paint things. And... And, uh... Who am I? I like to say fuck a lot on the show that comes on after Impact. I like to curse. And I made you the suck. I made you the superstar you are. I wonder if, if Matt told those people that he made them as fucked up as they are. I'm the yeah. It just goes hand in hand, people. No, he probably was sitting there listening to him. You know, eating some fries. And he was probably like, I don't care about your problems. Your problems are nothing. I got to deal with Amy Dumas. She still calls me. I don't know. The only time I think of watching Matt Hardy on television, other than the WWE or possibly TNA upcoming, would be him, you know, eating grapes or monkey penis on Fear Factor. <laughs> Or maybe, maybe jumping out of a helicopter onto a big fucking square in the middle of the water. Alamo, there ain't nothing wrong with eating your monkey penis every now and again. I can remember back when I was a little girl, sometimes all we had to eat was monkey penis. And you ate your monkey penis and you ate it with a smile. And you went to school in the snow with no shoes on. And you got relations at the school to keep you warm. And those were the days back when monkey penis was a delicacy. You see, I used to like me some monkey. I, I like penis any way I can get. Grandma! God damn it! Stop! I thought she went home, Trey. No, the bitch is staying for a couple days. Oh, there you have it. Why is it always going to come down to sexual things with you, Grandma? God! Oh, see, don't ask her that. She'll come back. <sighs> we don't have enough time on this show for that. Not tonight. I apologize. I apologize. With that said, there is one more news story I want to tackle. Apparently, the WWE, uh, over the last course of the year, have made a new WWE title belt. Now that The Miz is the WWE champion, there's talk of that belt debuting in the very near future. Trey, what do you think about that? We could be seeing a new WWE championship held by The Miz. Man, why can't they go back to the one that everybody likes? The Golden Eagle. You know what? I own that one. I have the Golden Eagle. It's right here on my wall. But they need to go with another belt. I, I just think that thing is so ugly. Well, that... I mean, God. He doesn't need his own personalized title. What is this, TNA? let just, you know, <laughs> no. go with the normal belt. Yeah, it, it won't be his own personalized title. It'll just be a, a new championship. My, my only fear is that seeing the... Uh, new WWE Tag Team Championships, or as I like to call them, this is Sparta! Tag Team Championships that we're going to have a single championship that looks like that, that maybe is encased, you know, uh, in chocolate or something. I I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sold on that design of the tag belt, so hopefully this world title they've made looks much better than those belts, but I am a stickler for that damn 
spinner belt. I'm ready to see it gone. I know it doesn't spin anymore, but uh, it's gaudy. It's big. It's just ridiculous. And you know what? They've had this belt for five years. It's time to kind of move on and bring a, a fresh thing. I think putting it on The Miz would be a good step toward uh, maybe even winning people over with The Miz as champion. His hate right now, quite frankly. Everybody and their mother hates this guy, and it just goes to show you that he's doing something right in this business. He's worked his ass off, and kudos to The Miz and the WWE for taking the opportunity to put a title on a guy who busted his ass, defied the odds, to show that dreams still come true in the WWE. Don't you know that children are the future? Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yes. Show them all the, you know, passion you feel inside or some shit. Give them a sense of pride. Was this turning into a damn public service announcement? Pretty much, yes. And our final news story of the night. This is one that Trey is going to absolutely enjoy. Apparently. Great, great, great. I'll see why you say that. Why you say that. Now, okay, anyway. Um, the news going around is that uh, the December 20th show, uh, I believe it's a house show, is advertising Triple H. Maybe it was a Raw. But December 20th is advertising Triple H to be on the card. So perhaps Triple H in the very next few weeks could be making his long-awaited return to Monday Night Raw. Finally. The King of Kings, back in a Raw arena near you. A lot of people tonight were saying, oh, I wish I wish you would have come out tonight. I wish you would have come out tonight. You know, and that's the thing that would have pissed everybody off. You know, the fact that Triple H came out and stole the moment from Sheamus. Tonight was about Sheamus winning King of the Ring, and they did it the way they should have. Let him have his moment. You can do the King of King thing some other time. I would agree. I would agree. But uh, that right there wraps up the news for uh, for tonight on this particular edition of Wrestling News Live. Again, the news brought to you by www.wrestling-online.com, the official news source of Wrestling News Live. And, Trey, that said, I think it's about time we take our first commercial break of the night Come back, kind of recap what happened on Raw. You guys are going to have to help me. I'm actually still watching Raw as this show is going on. In Canada, we have a delay. It was supposed to come on at 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, which is 7 o'clock Central. And apparently it was advertised for that, but no, no, it didn't come on till 7.15 Mountain Standard. So I literally missed that first hour and 15 minutes the show was on the air. And I am now concluding with the Miz-Jerry Lawler championship match. So with that said, we're going to take our first commercial break of the night. We're going to come back. We're going to break down Monday Night Raw and uh, get your thoughts to listeners on what you thought of tonight's King of the Ring edition for Monday Night Raw. You ready to, to break it out, Trey? I'm ready to break it out, and I've also got an epiphany to share with the rest of you later on. Oh, shit. I smell something burning. That's right. All right, guys, we'll be, more, we'll be right back with more Wrestling News Live right after this. Grandma, put your bro back on. Hey, this is Santo Loco, and you are listening to Wrestling News Live. Ha, ha, ha. 
We keep it hardcore, like a 187. Keep it hardcore, LAX is a weapon. Keep it hardcore, so count your blessings. 5158, nothing to mess with. Put my flag over Influences in my head, they counsel me, they understand, they talk to me. Since 1996, Audio Wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. Nexus, or you're against us. Awesome! Get out of my way. All it's going to take is one RKO. WWE Shop.com, the home of official WWE merchandise. For a limited time only, WWE Shop has reduced prices on all t-shirts. Pick up your authentic top rope or basic tees while this special offer lasts. Hi gang, this is Mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE, and uh, you're listening to my very dear close personal friends, JJ and Trick. I bet those names are right. Yeah, I believe I do. Right here on Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. Hey you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you checked out the new Unplugged on Friday nights? Well, if you haven't, make sure you check out the new Unplugged Friday nights with JJ Sexay at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, where JJ covers SmackDown, video games, and whatever the hell else he feels like. See you in chat. The following is a public service announcement from Wrestling News Live. Reasons not to marry a porn star. Did you hear the news that uh, Tito Ortiz was arrested for domestically abusing his uh, his girlfriend, Jenna Jameson? No, he probably tried to fuck her. It was like throwing a hot dog down a hallway, and he just said, What the fuck? Where have you been? Slap! <laughs> that reminds me of the quote from Triple H a couple years back. When he said, you know, even a 747 looks uh, small flying in the Grand Canyon. I mean, how could you, in all honesty be a person not in the porn industry married to a porn star and be okay with it. <laughs> you know what? I'd have a serious problem with that. I mean, let's say she's got an early shoot. She gets up, she washes her pussy and goes to work. <laughs> then you wake up and while you're eating pancakes, she's fucking somebody else. While you walk to the mailbox to get the mail, she's fucking somebody else. When you come inside and turn on the TV and have a cup of tea, she's fucking somebody else. 
that she's having lunch while you're taking a nap in your lazy boy. She comes back from lunch and punches in and starts fucking somebody else. <laughs> then she comes home. You tell the bitch that you want dinner. She makes you something in the microwave and goes to bed. And you're jacking off because she spent all day fucking somebody else. <laughs> you're having tea. She's getting tea bagged. <laughs> oh, I love this show. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by the good folks at Wrestling News Live. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to WML Radio. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new Wrestling News Live. And now, here are your hosts, The Trey Dog and JJ Sexy of SundayNightShowdown.com. You can't see me, my time is now. In case you forgot or fell off, I'm still hot. Knock your shell off, my money stacked. All right, guys, we're back. Wrestling News Live. Mr. Money on the mic, JJ Sexy, and of course, The Trey Dog in the house. I'm money fat stacked and I can't turn a swell off. Uh, isn't it sad that we'll never hear that music again, people? I mean, John Cena fired from the WWE, never to come back. I mean, I can't wait to hear Juan Cena's music. You guys see me? My time is now. In case you've forgotten the burrito taco. Tequila. I love that the only Mexican or Spanish that the trade dog can speak is when he goes to Taco Bell to order something. No, the only Spanish I really do know is Cerveza Por Favor. Well, the only Spanish that I knew growing up as a kid was uh, from the movie Gremlins. Gizmo Caca. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Watch that over. Uh, I guess it was over the weekend. Somebody was playing Gremlins since Christmas is coming up, and it's a good Christmas movie since it takes place during Christmas. Right. Uh, I was watching that the other day, and I, God, I fucking love that movie. The second one, not so much, but first one was kick-ass. I used to have a stuffed gizmo, and I used to stick him in my, all my, my handlebars and ride around with him on my handlebars. Very light, very light. Ah. My wife. So. And for those of you who didn't know, the voice of gizmo was actually, uh, what was his name? Howie Mandel was the voice I of I did gizmo. not know that. Yes, he was the voice of gizmo from Deal or No Deal. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. Bobby's world and everything. Bobby's World and Gizmo. So there you go. Uh, I'll be See, kids, when you go to school, you tell them you did learn something on Wrestling News Live. Yeah, you know, that's our strive. We try each and every show to teach you something that you didn't uh, quite frankly know about. But whether it's wrestling related or not, I mean, Trey Dog teaching you about uh, the life lessons about dating a porn star and, you know, uh, why you shouldn't marry a porn star. I mean, all kinds of useful information comes to and you if, via wrestling if you news didn't, live. If you didn't listen to the things, the Taboo Turkey Day to find out the true meaning of Thanksgiving, well, then I just can't help you out. No, absolutely. I mean, that right there was epic in itself to know all those things about Thanksgiving that you didn't know, and now you know. 
And since people didn't realize that Gizmo was voiced by Howie Mandel, here's another one for you. Anybody remember a movie called E.T.? By Steven Spielberg? Right. The voice of E.T. was actually Deborah Winger. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Dead fucking serious, buddy. Really? Yes. E.T. Bodo. That was the raspy stylings of one Deborah Winger. Well, I'll be dipping <laughs> shit. I didn't know that. Apparently, we're going to change the name of this show to useless fucking tidbits in history that you didn't know about. <laughs> Things you thought you knew, you didn't have any idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of Taboo Turkey Day, I hope everybody enjoyed that. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Me and Trey sitting sitting up at, what was it, about midnight? You should have heard the first one. Oh, yeah. We, we actually taped a Taboo Tur- uh, we Turkey actually Day. That's yeah. right. Taboo Turkey Day. You got it right. Taboo Turd Day was the first. The first one. one was Taboo Turd Day. You fucking right, it was. It was pretty bad. You know that that little ender that we we played at the end of Taboo Tuesday with Trey telling the story of Thanksgiving was originally about a thirty minute clip, and I cut and <laughs> I cut and edited that thing down to about six minutes before it made more sense. He cut himself out. And goes, are you fucking serious? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I wanted to make it sound good, but yeah, that was about a thirty minute segment that we kind of condensed down to six. That shit got deep. Everybody, everybody got involved. I was calling out everybody. Yes, it was very philosophical. <clears throat> it's quite, uh, quite interesting. Jim's asking, "How was our Thanksgiving?" Well, Jim, go listen to the Taboo Turkey Day. We're not going to take up time tonight to, to bring it up when we've already talked about it. Jim, you're a dumbass. By the way, now Trey, we shouldn't talk about our listeners like that. That's not the PC thing to do. I'm not PC. When have I ever been PC? Oh well, there you go. That explains it all. Fuck it. Taboo Turkey Day was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Taboo Turd Day, however. <laughs> and the was, big... was also fun, but it wasn't worth listening to when we were done. Now, the biggest question I have, though, is where the hell is Gobbles? I, I mean, is he still in the studio tonight? What's going on with Gobbles? Gobbles is around here somewhere because he doesn't go anywhere that Granny Dog doesn't go. Well, apparently there's, there's gobbles. There's gobbles right there. That is my pet turkey, gobbles. He's retarded. Somehow Jim got banned. Oh, I know how Jim got banned because I told him three times not to do something and he did it again. So that's. I, I gave him three chances. I've even private chatted with the dumbass. You just can't fix stupid people. You can't. You just can't. You can't fix it. Well, you do have a point there, Trey. You know, you try, you try. And Maverick, poor guy, he's been dealing with this guy all night long. Mav taking one for the team, it seems like. Ugh. Anyway, that's my pet turkey gobble. He's a good guy. He's a good bird. We didn't eat him. Yeah, yeah, don't eat him. That wouldn't be right. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of fucked up. Eat retarded turkey. No, it is. On that note, I guess it's time we break into uh, Monday Night Raw tonight. Yes, a big three-hour extravaganza. Three-hour. Three-hour king of the ring. Three-hour, not so, three-vidic. With that said, let's go to the Raw Sounder. 
Now it's time for the Monday Night Raw recap with JJ Sexe and the Trade Dog. So good show tonight. Yeah, you know what? It was a good show <clears throat> from what I got to see of it. I just finished I, watching it. I read show. some things in the chat room where some people were on the fence. They were like a little awe. Like uh, Azriel earlier was talking about how he was just kind of, eh. I think he gave it a C in the chat room earlier. I got to tell you, and I know that you guys are going to go, what? I mean, for what I saw, I sat here for three hours, you know, the. Uh, there was only a few things I might have done differently. Um, but for the most part, I got to, you know, I got to be, got to be honest. I was entertained all, all night long. So I'm going to go with a very high B plus, possibly an A minus. Wow. That is surprising. Trey, it, it's very rare that you give uh Monday night raw or any wrestling show that kind of praise. So well, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. And yes, I know everybody, The Miz was in the actual main event. Well, he had to be. It was his first night out after being champion. Give it time. Give it time. All right? Watch and see. Um, but, I mean, they tonight was really well, I thought was really well booked, really well blocked. Um, I like how they didn't just shove all the King of the Ring down your throat at once. They spaced it out. I'm not real sure why they did the Ezekiel McIntyre countout. It's not like one of them couldn't have taken the loss because it wouldn't have hurt either one of them. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, it might have hurt McIntyre more than Ezekiel, but I think they might be trying to build him up a little bit. I said to you, motherfucker. No, I did not see any ghosts on Raw tonight, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, let's see. We'll, we'll oh. get to that later. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and start things off with Monday Night Raw. We started things off, of course, with, uh, as you like to call Riley, making his uh, presence known on the Raw stage, basically talking about how he was involved in one of the most groundbreaking moments in WWE history. Uh, he'll never forget where he was when The Miz cashed in Money in the Bank and became the champ. Uh, he even took a few shots at himself, which I thought was great, about his uh, DWI saying something to the effect of uh, Alex Riley knows how to party, and I guess you already know about that. Which I, I like the line, he looks like he's dressed for court. <laughs> yes, yes, he looks like he's dressed for court. I thought it was great. Of course, uh, CM Punk basically uh, you know, talking on the headset, saying that uh, he's going to throw the best celebration bash anyone has ever seen, and it will be awesome. Uh, but CM Punk kind of running his mouth about uh, Alex Riley. Talking about The Miz, which I thought was great. I'm loving the fact that CM Punk is now doing commentary um, on Monday Night Raw with both Cole and Jerry Lawler. And this was a new story that I should have got earlier, but I just remembered this off the top of my head. The reason that CM Punk, there's actually two reasons why he's doing color commentary on Monday Night Raw right now. One of them, of course, being that he recently had... Uh, some hip surgery and is going to be out of action for uh, for an undetermined amount of time. I think three, four, wow. five, six months. That would be the first one. The second reason is that Vince McMahon is a homer for what we call three-man announce teams, which is now why we have three on SmackDown as well. Well, he's good. I mean, he's really good. Even his, his you know, facial expressions, he knows when the camera's on him. He panders to the camera. 
kudos on the uh, Ring of Honor T-shirt that he got away with tonight on WWE Raw. By the way, yes. Um, you know, it's just he says a lot of things that that make you chuckle because you don't you're not thinking of it, and then you you go you'll catch it. You know, like he's dressed for court, or yeah, we know he knows how to party, or blah 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 blah. You know, um, he's perfect for that. But hip surgery, man, at that young of age. But you know what? He has wrestled for a long time. Despite his age, he's been around. Yeah, I mean, he's done a lot, you know, in his career. And, uh, you know, we wish CM Punk a speedy recovery. I don't think he's done in this business as of yet. I know he did kind of say something about uh, his career was, his entering career was over. But I find that har- uh, highly doubtful. I think he'll be back in, in short order. But <clears throat> I like how he left the tags on his jacket as if to say, when I'm done, I'm going to return this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that. Uh, of course, we start things off with our first quarterfinal in the King of the Ring tournament, which basically consists of a SmackDown star taking on a superstar from Monday Night Raw. We start things off, of course, with Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio. As he's announced by his Mexican ring announcer. No, it's not Juan Cena. It's just Rodriguez, who apparently is signed to a developmental deal. So there you go. So did one last week gave him that shiner on on SmackDown, I do believe. I think the Big Show might have done that. Cuz yeah, I think it was the Big Show because the Big Show and Alberto Del Rio were in the qualifier for King of the Ring and he got the win. Alberto Doritos. Yes, Alberto Doritos. Uh this was a pretty good match. It was Alberto Del Rio taking on uh, the United States Alberto heavyweight champion Daniel Bryan. Uh, good match back and forth. Of course, we see two masters of the submission. You know, Daniel Bryan, master of the label lock. Alberto Del Rio, master of Alberto the spinning arm takedown, arm bar. Those of you following me on Twitter, when this match started, I said, man, it's a shame this has to be an opening round match. This is going to be off the hook. And it was. No, it was a very good match. The finish came. Uh, let me see. I'll, you know, Bryan has had some recent issues with that shoulder. Even going back to the pay-per-view last week where he did the suicide dive to the outside and landed his shoulder into the, um, into the railing. And uh, basically the finish came when Alberto Del Rio took advantage of the situation and locked that arm bar on Daniel Bryan. And it was a very quick tap out for Daniel Bryan. I'm talking he was in this hold for maybe five seconds and he tapped like Sammy Davis Jr., another WNL-ism that you won't find anywhere else. On the internet, and if you do, well, they stole it from me. Right, I was saying, you might find it somewhere else. There you go. So your winner, and the one advancing to the next round of the King of the Ring, Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio. And Tyrant says, CM Punk said it twice. You know, he does this every week. Well, that's true. But what wrestler doesn't do the same move every week? At least one move. True. You know. But you're right, Tyrant. He was trying to sell that Daniel Bryan does that suicide dive every week. Well, and usually when he does it, I mean, I think it's it's scripted that he fucks it up because every time he does it, he gets hurt. It's like Ric Flair going to the top rope. Yeah, pretty much. So Alberto Del Rio wins the match and moves on in the King of the Ring tournament. So, of course, next up, we get a segment where... Uh, Ron the Truth Killings comes out and gives us an impromptu concert. You know, (laughs) 
<laughs> Go ahead with it. Go on. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm so sick of the fucking truth. Then lie, Trey. Just lie. Forget the truth. Let's just lie from now on. I mean, he comes out every week and does the same shit, and it's just like, enough already. I, I just... And you talk about a person, no offense, but they should never do a close-up on that man's face with high-def cameras. <laughs> yeah, them teeth were pretty atrocious. I mean, he's got shit coming out of his face. Where was uh, where was his uh, biatch? Where was Eve? Where was Eve? I think she might have had an ele- epileptic seizure and uh, probably couldn't show up tonight. Because apparently it looks like she has one every week when she's dancing to get crunk. You sure she wasn't crunk somewhere? She might have been crunked. I don't know. I mean, I think she's a hot bitch, but... You know. She don't dance like a hot bitch. She might be hot, dude, but she don't fucking dance like a hot bitch. My dad once said, and I quote, "You can tell a lot about a, by the you can tell a lot about the way a woman fucks by watching her dance." Yeah, I've heard you tell me that before. So if that's the case, Eve is horrible in the sack. But we at Wrestling News Live can neither confirm nor deny that rumor. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't, don't want to put that great. out there. I don't want to put that out there, and you have you know false pretenses, and you know I don't want I don't well, want now, a slanderous now, lawsuit. But now here's the deal, though. If she's willing to prove me wrong, I'll give her my address. Oh, there you go. You'll you'll take the challenge. You'll take one for the team, as it were. Well, yeah. I mean, hell yeah, I will. That's what I like I, about you, Trey. You are a company guy. You will take one for the I, team. I, I I will tow that line. I appreciate that, my friend. That's awesome. I'll I'll jump on that grenade. But anymore, I swear to God, I hear. The truth music start, and I just want to go, oh, where's the remote? You know. I'm with you. Just, I'm with you. I just, I can't take it. I, I just, I, I get that embarrassed for him feeling, and then it's two minutes of what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up. Motherfucker, if you ain't figured out what's up by the time you get to the ring, shit. No, Trey, it's not even what's up anymore. It's just, it's now get crunk or some shit. Get, wow. You know, I was thinking I was going to die, mind you. But they did do a video package with him and Eve because he couldn't make it across the border. Well, thanks, WWE. Crunk was so over, it's already dead. Oh, okay, good. There you go. But basically did the right thing, but the war wasn't over. And John Cena will have his revenge at some point down the road. And Truth takes it upon himself to call out a member of the Nexus and says, any member of the Nexus who wants to face me, you know, you won't be so lucky and blah, 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 blah. Then, of course, we go to a backstage uh, promo where Wade Barrett walks in on Michael McGillicuddy, who basically says that he's going to show the truth that the Nexus aren't afraid of him or something to that effect. As he gets ready to go to the ring, he is attacked by what appears to be John Cena, in the backstage area. Even though we never see John Cena fully on camera, we do see the you can't see me and we see the legs and the um, the Reeboks or whatever shoes John Cena wears as uh, Michael McGillicuddy gets FU'd on the concrete tonight, floor. Tonight they were Jordans. Oh, were they Jordans? They were, they were vintage Jordans. So it was either John Cena or it was his Mexican cousin Juan Cena doing a backstage assault. Possibly. Possibly. 
So who knows? But uh, next match of the night was our next quarterfinal. We had dashing Cody Rhodes, who is a fountain of inspiration for the SNS Radio Network's own Internet Dave Standish, who is becoming one step closer to dashing each and every week. Maybe in the oh. in the very near future, Trey. Uh, I think I, I had a discussion with Internet Dave over the, over the weekend, and I think that, that maybe in, in the course of history, uh, basically we are going to start doing one step closer to dashing promos by Internet Dave. Well, I can't wait. You know, here's my question, though. Hobo quotes, I mean, he's looking more gay by the day when I see him. You know what I'm saying? Wow. He's not, just... not Dave. Oh, okay. I was about to say, wow, you haven't seen Internet Dave, man. I mean, he he's still a little Who manly, man. Internet Dave? There you go. There you go. No, I'm talking about the dashing Cody Rhodes. He's starting to look more and more like a, a fag every time I see him. I see. I see. <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for a dashing moment where he talks about putting a, a limp dick in his mouth and it doesn't count as sucking a dick if it's not hard or something. Well, let's hope it doesn't get to that in this, in this PG world of WWE. I'm pretty sure we're safe in that department. What's up with the knee pads? He used, he used to wear knee pads. Now he doesn't wear them anymore. Yeah, he always wore those knee pads on the shin, uh, much akin to uh, Ric Flair. Right. But yeah, he's he stopped doing that. Well, he's got, like, chicken legs. I know. His legs look awful. I, I, I wish he would wear knee pads. I mean, brother, look. It's one thing to work out the upper body, I understand that, but you got to work out your lower body, too. Yes. You know. The legs are not dashing. But uh, as far as dashing Cody Rhodes, he took on... The guy that I had pegged to win the King of the Ring tournament tonight, I was sadly mistaken. Jomo, John Morrison, uh, does get the advance over dashing Cody Rhodes and moves on to the next series of matches for the King of the Ring final. Speaking of which, we made our King of the Ring predictions on Taboo Turkey Day. Yeah, we did. Didn't I have Sheamus? You did have Sheamus, I believe. Yes, I thought so. Okay, I think I want to make sure. I think I had said either John Morrison or maybe Ezekiel Jackson because I thought that those two were um, the ones that needed it more than anybody else. And you're right; they do. But it is it is what it is. You know that's that's just my fantasy booking. You know, I know that has no place in wrestling, and I shouldn't fantasy book. But right, right. You You shouldn't be an armchair. You shouldn't be an armchair quarterback. Yeah, it's not like I profess to write for the WWE, or you know that that because you know I predict something and it doesn't come true. That you shouldn't tell people that you work for them on the side. Yeah, true that, true that. But uh, moving on, did you find it odd though? I mean, I did, and I know the chat room did a little at, at one point. But did you find it odd that they named? All these former winners, they totally, they totally blew over Kurt Angle. They totally blew over William Regal. They totally blew over King Booker. They did come back and mention William Regal later on. Thanks to CM Punk. CM Punk is the one yeah. who brought up uh, William Regal. Yes, you're absolutely right. Who was the last King of the Ring winner? You know, they they also forgot to mention uh, you know guys like Billy Gunn, Macho Man. Yeah, the Macho King, absolutely. Uh, no Billy Gunn. No, they, did they even mention Edge being a King of the Ring winner? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was the first one. Okay. Okay. I see. I like I said, I was on a delay, and I don't remember half the shit that I watched because I was preparing for the show and getting stuff done. But but I was like, wow. Really? I mean, I was Man. surprised that they even brought up Mabel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were, you know, in Memphis, I guess. Yeah. Did Kevin Nash win King of the Ring? No. I didn't think so. No, Kevin Nash, not a King of the Ring winner. He did, however, face the 1995 King of the Ring winner at SummerSlam because he earned a title shot after becoming the King of the Ring, something that our King of the Ring for tonight, I'm hoping, is going to uh, to get. I mean, really, there was no stipulation as to you, you don't get anything special if you win the King of the Ring. And I think that a title shot at the Royal Rumble is very deserving of a guy like Sheamus for winning the I King of the Ring. I think they should do this every year. They should. It should be a fucking pay-per-view. Oh, wait, it was, and it was discontinued. Care its own, its own pay-per-view? Oh, please, man. With, with shit like TLC and Hell in the Cell and fucking Money in the Bank, why not well, go back to a single, uh, you know, a single dude, tournament? You're talking to a guy who would rather have only six pay-per-views a year. I hear you. But the King of the Ring was one of those pay-per-views that was one of the original four or five. I mean, it was the only pay-per-view to come out after um, the original four. King of the Ring was usually a pretty big deal. I mean, they started that in 93 on pay-per-view. So I personally would love to see that concept come back. I, I was always a big stickler. King of the Ring was one of my favorite pay-per-views up until 2002 when they discontinued it. And Brock Lesnar was the last official King of the Ring at that point. Until they brought it back in 2007 and let King Booker run with it. But, I don't know, man. I just I think that rather than some of these stupid gimmick pay-per-views, why not go back to something that people actually enjoy? There's been so many King of the Ring moments. I mean, who can, who can forget the 96 King of the Ring when Stone Cold Steve Austin coined the phrase Austin 316? That was at the King of the Ring. It needs to be a pay-per-view, but... I'm done with that. Uh, moving on to our next King of the Ring quarterfinal, we have uh, Drew McIntyre from the SmackDown brand <laughs> taking on Big Zeke Jackson of the Raw brand. Uh, this match, I didn't like the ending, to be honest. I mean, not that I had a problem with both guys not advancing, but I didn't like the fact that it was a double countout. Well, now, they said in the chat room when I was griping about that that they do that every year with at least one match. They take one match to make it a count out or a disqualification. They end it real quick for television time and shit like that. But, you know, you brought up Ezekiel. And I'm just not real sure they know what they, if they want. I don't think they know what they want to do with the guy yet. I mean, it's like they're protecting him, but they're not. It's just, it's weird with what they're doing with him. Um, it's because I, I don't think they know yet what they're going to do with him. I think that there's a lot of that going on in the WWE right now, as a matter of fact. Um, but, yeah, those two guys, um, I'm not butthurt over the fact that it happened because I didn't see either one of them winning it anyway. And to be honest with you, I thought Drew would go over. But, you know, I stand corrected. Neither one of them did. So, kind of just... One of those matches that they thought, okay, let's let him go at it. We don't want to hurt either one of them by giving the, by giving either one of them a loss. So here's a good chance for our DQ manager. Mays brings up a good point. Zeke needs a manager. 
And, you know, Alicia Fox would be a great valet for him. I don't know, man. Anytime yeah. you start anytime you start putting, you know, divas with guys to manage them. I mean, look at Ted DiBiase. As long as he doesn't, as, as long as he doesn't come out and see and get crunk. Well, I mean, look at Eve with, with Miz. Or Eve with R-Truth, excuse me. Um, yeah, Eve with, with R-Truth is not working. You look at Ted DiBiase and Maurice, and that's not working. Um, why would you put Alicia Fox with with him unless you had an angle where they're they're dating or something? I mean, I, I could maybe see that. I, I just, think if it was me, if it was if it was up to me, because of his size and his power, I would take a page out of the Reverend Devon days, and with a name like Ezekiel Jackson, I would cross reference that character with. Uh, Samuel Jackson from Pulp Fiction and have him walk around quoting Bible scriptures in his promos. You know, shit like Samuel Jackson said before he shot somebody. Take a, take a Bible scripture and twist that shit so it fits what he's trying to do, you know. For my name is the Lord and I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious, furious anger. Furious anger. Yes, I could see that. That would work. You know. Um basically change his look a little bit. You know. That's what I would do with him in a heartbeat. Well, you know, I, I like Zeke. I mean, he's got a charisma about him. He's not a very good talker in the ring. He's got a presence, maybe more presence than a charisma. You know, you look at a guy like, uh, for example, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Had great, he had great stage presence. Not a great actor, but he had stage presence. When I look at Zeke, ah. get to the chopper, Zeke. Do it. The chopper. Do it now if you want to it's, be the champion. It's not a tumor. It's a title. When when I when I, I have think the of title. When I think of Zeke Jackson, um, I just, God, he's scary as shit. I mean, he's just this big, massive black guy that has fucking bowling balls. He, he's got bowling balls in his freaking trapezoids. Okay, I'm uh, you went up. I mean, it, seriously, when he fucking does that pose, it looks like he's got a couple of fucking bowling balls coming out of his back. I mean, the dude's massive. I'll give him that. And, you know, being a big guy in the WWE used to be a big thing. Uh, the thing with him that he's really going to have to, he needs to work on his ring work because I don't think that at this point in time, Zeke is a great worker inside the ring. I think he's stiff as shit and he still looks a little awkward. You know, that's going to come with time. I, I don't think he's ready for a main event push, but I think he's ready to, you know, something needs to happen with a guy. I, maybe they don't know what he's to do the with kind him. Of guy, he's the kind of guy right now that I would be floating around the U- U.S. champion strap. I'd put him in that with, you know, mid-card, you know, let him change his look, change his gimmick, put him in there in the U.S. title hunt. That's where I'd put him. No, I'm with you. <clears throat> but, you know, then what do you do with Daniel Bryan? Does he go back to jobbing out to everybody? I mean, I, I mean, it, everything no, has just, its point. You, you know, you, you just well, that's that's where you got. That's why Vince pays these people to do this to, to to do this job. I mean, just because one guy has the belt doesn't mean everybody around them has to job. That's their goal is to make everybody stay relevant. Right. No, I, I hear you, but like I said, I, I I just feel like he needs some more work before they do any major pushes with him. 
I mean, I was okay with the fact that neither one of them qualified. I do still like Drew McIntyre, but uh, I didn't want to see Zeke win King of the Ring, and you know, thankfully we did not see that tonight. So, um, moving on to the next segment, uh, there's a backstage thing with Daniel Bryan where one of the Bellas comes up to check on him, then the other Bella comes up, and then Alex Riley walks up to him and calls him a nerd and tells them to take their leave and talks about how you know he had the opportunity to advance to the King of the Ring and be something and. He's just stuck in his position as U.S. champion and all this and that. And uh, that tonight was the Miz Fest on Monday Night Raw. So our next segment comes up. We have Justin Roberts, the ring announcer for Monday if Night I was, Raw. If I was Daniel Bryan, I looked up and said, Riley, I'd slap you in the face, but I don't want to get the Miz's ass all over my hands. Now, that's a good one. I would have probably told him, hey, Riley, why don't you have a couple drinks and drive? Talk to you later. But that's just me, yeah, personally. Why don't, you, why don't you go practice calling a cab? There you go. To be champion, The Miz. Uh, he made with Alex Riley. Michael Cole looks like a total tool. Standing there celebrating, you know, his, his buddy, The Miz, the WWE champion. Miz gets on the mic and basically says that he's made it to the top despite all, all, all the people that told him that he would never make it. And I really like this promo by The Miz because he hit home a lot of points. He brought up JBL. He brought up the people on MTV that told him he was never going to make it anywhere, that he was nobody. And, I have a dream. And The Miz proved everybody wrong. And, you know, Trey, even you and I have proved people wrong. I mean, since since March 1st, when this show re-debuted on the SNS radio network, people said it wouldn't last. People said that we wouldn't last six months, that we'd be done. And here we are dominating at the top of wrestling radio with People this show. People said that there's no way that the Trey Dog and JJ Sexa can get along for longer than a month. So and I said to the family, I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. But it's too dirty to share with you folks, so we'll keep talking wrestling. That's absolutely right. So uh, moving on, of course, Jerry Lawler interrupts the promo by The Miz because uh, I guess The Miz had brought up Roddy Piper and there was a list of guys that never held that championship. And after listening to Roddy Piper a few weeks ago tell John Cena uh, to make his decision to make the right one, you know, he said that guys like Piper never made it. And then, of course, Lawler interrupts saying that I'm on that list of guys that never did it. And then he makes yeah. the claim that he never had a WWE championship match in his entire career in the WWE. Well, that is actually a false statement, folks. Oh, I, well, shit. I did the research tonight, and I remembered off the top of my head, but I had to go and back the facts. Jerry the King Lawler was doing color commentary back in 1996 alongside Jim Ross for WrestleMania 12, which saw the main event, the Iron Man match, between Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart, the night that Shawn Michaels won his first ever championship match. On the that, boyhood dream. On that very program, Jerry Lawler said he wants the first shot at whoever wins this match because they're going to be easy pickings. Now, I was under the mistaken impression that the next night on Raw, Jerry Lawler got his championship opportunity. I did some research, and it was on April 8th, 1996, on that edition of Monday Night Raw, that Shawn Michaels defeated Jerry the King Lawler in a WWF championship match. So Jerry the King Lawler has, in fact, had a shot at the WWE title before. Apparently the senility of his old age is getting to him. 
So by doing your research, you went to Online World of Wrestling. I did, which is one of the most <laughs> extensive. Hey, I knew about it beforehand. I just wanted to confirm the dates. Yes. I knew you did. I knew that's what you did. I knew it was. But thank you for giving Online World of Wrestling a very good source of information. To Professor VNS. Yes. Brad Dykins. The longtime professor of Wrestling News Live. So, yes, uh, he did have a championship match. Of course, tonight the GM chimes in and says that Jerry Lawler will get his own championship match tonight against The Miz, and it will be a tables, ladders, and chairs match tonight Ooh. on the program, basically in you know as a special attraction since tables, ladders, and chairs is coming up in the month of December for the WWE on pay-per-view. I think it's funny how different people would do different things but everybody would everybody thinks that they're doing the right thing and making the best show possible you know to me i would have had a segment where cole and punk are sitting there talking about well you know what does jerry lawler know about tables ladders and chairs you know punk would have chimed in well by the same token what does the miz know about tables ladders and chairs you know, and then cut backstage, do like they did with Art Anderson and Jerry Lawler. That was a good segment. Then I would have come back and had another match and brought up the main event, and then I would have gone backstage before commercial and just, you know, got a shot of Lawler and Edge sitting backstage talking and CM Punk, you know, being... The, in the position he's in, he would have said, oh, Jerry the King Lawler going right to the source on TLC about, you know, he's talking to the man that knows it better than anybody else. You know, it would have been a good rub for Edge on TV, but a good rub for the King on TV. You know, but they didn't do it. So, hey, what, what do I know? True that, true that. Now we move on to our last quarterfinal for the King of the Ring. We had uh, Fella, Seamus. Yeah. From Ireland. Taking on, My pick. taking on, Mr. Boom, Kofi Kingston, formerly of Jamaica, now residing in Africa. For those right. of you who didn't know, um, pretty good back and forth match. You know, Kofi did hit uh, hit some pretty good moves. He he hit his signature, the boom drop. Only got a two count. Uh, he missed a corner splash. Sheamus hit him with a headbutt, and then he goes for his uh, pale justice or high cross, whatever he's calling that. Um, Outsider's, Outsiders edge, or, edge or Razor's Edge, if you will. Um, Kofi drops down, tries to hit Trouble in Paradise, but Sheamus rolls under the ropes. Uh, basically, Sheamus comes up and hits him with the brogue kick and gets the three count for the win. So advancing, you now have Sheamus. Now, here's the deal. And I'll be honest with you. You know, I told you what I thought of the show. Right. Overall. But what was really nice, and I, and I said this in my show description, I thought everything was blocked well. And you, I mean, you, you've blocked shows before, JJ. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Where you go, okay, here's the card. We want to go here for 15, here for 20. We really want to drag this one out to 30, but no more than 35. we got to have you guys in and out in 10. You know, this is a squash. Get in and out. Get it over with. I thought they blocked the show really well. I thought that the spacing was was well done. I thought the scheduling was well done. It wasn't all King of the Ring right in your face and 
oh shit, what else, you know. I thought that each match that had pertained to the King of the Ring tournament was was awesome. Uh, even even the DQ for what little time they gave it, Drew and Ezekiel did a good job of going back and forth, giving you no clear cut winner. Um, I thought Kofi Kingston and Sheamus, two totally different wrestling styles. They did a great job working together. It looked like they looked like they've been working that match on house shows for months. You know, the the match between Sheamus and Jomo. You know, Jomo's selling that arm injury. And here's the difference in, in, in selling. And for some reason, and I can't explain it, JJ, maybe you can. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not having one of those segments where I'm going to rant about somebody else's show or the work that they do on their show. But for some reason... There's a lot of people out there that do wrestling radio that don't like John Morrison, and yet he's kind of been adopted by us, Jomo, as a guy that we have a lot of faith in. Then again, there's a lot of things that we do here on Wrestling News Live that other people don't do, and we're looked down upon because we do them, and we are definitely the, you know, bastard child of the internet. Or the black sheep of internet radio, if you will. That's right. That's why we have the Wrestling News Live family, and they have listeners. Well, okay, and here's the but thing. And, and I just don't, I don't understand where he gets such a bad rap. And the reason is, prime example, tonight. You know, you watch one of those fucking X Division matches over in TNA, and there's no selling of any kind. Dude can hit a finisher, and the motherfucker will pop back up that just took the finisher quicker than the guy that delivered it. You know? Jomo tonight sold that arm so believable that you almost wanted to make sure he wasn't really hurt. Even climbing up to the top rope, he couldn't put weight on it. You know, it was, he did an amazing job of selling that injury. That injury was the focal point of that entire match. You know, it became a, 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 a major part of that match all the way through. He sold it all the way through. He didn't sell it at the beginning, get in there and get physical and get active and forget and go, oh, shit, I'm supposed to have a sore arm. He carried all the way through the match, all the way to the finish. And for what little bit of time they gave Sheamus and Jomo, to me, that was the match of the night. Well, Trey, before we go any further, I just want to say, will you stop talking shit about Maverick and his radio show? I'm sorry, Maverick. I didn't even know you still did one. But on that note, I, I do want to say this. You know, <laughs> we we at Wrestling News Live, um, by no means think that we it's are. Easy. By no means think that we are professional wrestling analysts. Trey and I are fans. Now, I will say this: I have been in the ring before. I was a shitty wrestler. I, I, I was trained in '98. I only had a couple of matches. I was not very good. My strong suit was always talking. I could cut promos and do stuff. You know, that's why I was a manager for, uh, for a little bit in Stampede Wrestling. Uh, I'll be the first one to tell you that I was a shitty wrestler. But I've been in the ring before. There's a lot of people out there who do radio shows that, you know, have sat on their couch for years watching wrestling and think that they can justify how somebody punches and kicks. Well, that's not what you're going to get on this show. We're going to give you analysis from a fan's point of view because at the end of the day, that's what we are here at Wrestling News Live. 
The trade dog is a fan, and I'm a fan of this business. And by no means do I have a PhD in wrestling because it doesn't exist. So that's what you can expect, to be entertained and for us to simplify things and tell you what we thought of the show. That's what this show is about. People are talking in the chat room about why, why Sheamus? Why did he have to be king of the ring? What, it's the same point that, that, that J.J. was bringing up earlier when he made his pick of Ezekiel Jackson um, on the Taboo Turkey Day. I would, I would agree with you also that, you know, here's my theory. This is kind of part one of, you know, I told you I had an epiphany. This is part one of said epiphany. Okay, epiphany away. I, I think this money in the bank thing has become nothing more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. And what I mean by that is, I'll put it in terms that we understand here. JJ, you and I are the writers for the WWE. And we got, we, we're, we're solely in charge of writing and booking the show. And Maverick, since we already brought him up, Maverick is one of our talent. We see a lot in Maverick. We see that he's got potential. Um, we see that, you know, down the line, not right now, but down the line, there's a possibility that, you know, we could put the strap on him. He'd be an asset to the business and he would be a company man that would go out and do the song and dance, promoting the company above and beyond everything else. And we want to recognize that by doing the right thing and giving him the title eventually. The way that's done is by letting him establish himself for a little while and then putting that money in the bank briefcase on him. Because what that means is while he's holding that money in the bank briefcase, no matter what we do with him storyline-wise, we've always got a way to get him from being almost forgotten about should we fuck up in our jobs as writers, should we get to a point where he's not as popular as he was or we see a diminish in his popularity and we're like, oh shit, how do we write him back to the top because he's a guy we wanted to bring, you know, along the way. Boom, cash in the money in the bank. Because everybody says they were so excited to see him cash that in because they thought he'd be the first one to lose that has cashed it in. Well, now it's gotten to a point where everybody that's cashed it in has won. It's starting to take on the vibe of the Undertaker streak. Not is it going to be broken, but when will it be broken? Now the Undertaker streak has gone on for so long, it's not is it going to be broken, or it's not when is it going to be broken, it's will it be broken at all. It's evolved to that point. The money in the bank now is not when will it be broken, not is it going to be broken, but when will it be broken, because you know eventually it will be. So by putting that money in the bank briefcase on a guy like The Miz, basically it's like, it's like you know, getting a free man at Pac-Man. You know, if you die, we have a way to bring you back. 
if we screw up in our booking to where we get you down there wrestling with guys like, you know, Santino, we have a way of you cashing this in, beating the world champion, and bringing yourself all the way back to the top of popularity and to the top of the list, to the top of the ladder. Same thing with this King of the Ring. People have already said, just in things that I've read this week, you know, the WWE youth movement, and they pushed Sheamus too soon. He's already won twice, which means he's already lost twice when it comes to the title. There's a reason why they chose this year and this moment to do a King of the Ring. There wasn't one last year. That's why they said it was two years ago when they did the last King of the Ring. What this King of the Ring was for, the sole purpose of this King of the Ring was to get Sheamus away from this John Morrison, Kozlov, Santino love fest back to being a major superstar again, a superstar of importance. And that's exactly why they've done what they've done over the last two weeks. They have painted themselves into a virtual corner, and these were two ways to get out of it without having to do all the work that it might take to do a six-month, nine-month program to get their mistakes corrected. <laughs> whoa, whoa, gobbles, gobbles. <laughs> get your ass back in there, you little son of a bitch. I think gobbles agrees with you, Trey. Boy, he come out here like said by a little firecracker under his ass. He just went out of one door, went boop, 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 right all the way down the hallway. <laughs> I love gobbles the retarded turkey. That's awesome. But what's funny, you didn't see it, but he come out of one door, shot down the hallway, and missed the other door and ran smack dab into the wall and then had to go back in again. <laughs> Bless your heart, Trey, for adopting a retarded turkey. Well, I do what I can to help out, you know. And I won't lie to you, sometimes it's fun to get drunk and throw beer cans at him. <laughs> That's just wrong. And I'm not claiming to be a member of WWE Creative no, or know no, anybody no. that is. That's just the way I feel about it. I think those are get-out-of-jail-free cards. You can stop what you're doing. In case of poor writing, you can break glass, get these guys out of their current situations, and bring them back to a place of prominence and importance. I agree. I agree. But uh, moving on to the rest of Monday Night Raw... Our next matchup was uh, just a random tag team match. I, I thought it was going to be a tag title match just out of the blue, but uh, apparently we saw the mismatching of Yoshi Tatsu, first time I've seen Yoshi in a while, and Mark Henry, or as we like to call him here on this show, and even Batista likes to call him Kool-Aid. Got that from Wrestling News Live, by the way. Um, taking on, of course, the WWE. This is Sparta! Tag Team Champions of the World, Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel of the Nexus. Uh, pretty quick little match. The story here is that uh, Yoshitatsu and Mark Henry go over, and it's because John Cena makes his way down the aisle in the crowd holding a bunch of tickets. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Trey, but if I buy a ticket to the show, I have one ticket, not three or four. Yeah, who were sitting in his other seats? There were some people well, sitting in his seats. He wasn't sitting in seats. He was standing right there. Uh, it would have been different if he was sitting in the seat. But he's standing there, 
you know, right there in that position where they've got the bend in the railing, that there's nobody sitting there. That's where he was standing. And I'm thinking, so if I buy a ticket, does that entitle me as a as a fan to go stand over in that corner? I mean, it was kind of ridiculous the way they portray it. It's like you have suspension of disbelief, but at the same time, it's like, okay, guys, let's really think this through. Don't insult my intelligence. Yeah. I mean, so he buys three tickets, and that gives him the right to stand right there in that little open area and not sit with fans. Uh, again. Now, gonna- what I want to know is... When he came over the barrier, why the referee didn't try to stop him? Because he's just a fan. Exactly. You know, yeah. and, you know, Smoochie makes a good point in the chat. If you buy a ticket, you can't interfere. I mean, does that mean that next time we buy a ticket to go see a show that we could do a run into? And when they're choking me out, taking me back to the back and telling me they're going to kick me out, and I say, uh, well, I saw John Cena do it when he bought a ticket. And he was fired. Yeah, that to me, I mean, I know wrestling is a suspension of disbelief, but when that shit happens, it just... Uh-oh. It got it gets me, man. It really does. All new episodes of White Collar starting January 18th. This just in. Yeah, I'm still watching USA. Okay, okay. So after... Now, the- here's my question, though. On that tag team match, be honest. Don't fucking lie to me. Be honest. Did you find yourself trying to think of the cute nickname for Yoshi and Henry during the entire match, like I did? Yeah, I think Yoshi Kool-Aid fits. I was thinking of chocolate-covered sushi. Chocolate-covered sushi. That's the best I came up with. How about Japanese chocolate? Mm. Or, here's this, was, this is a deep one here. You gotta really You got to wrap your brain around this one for it to make sense. Chocolate Kama Sutra. There you go. Or how about sushi sexual, and Kool-Aid? That's sexual chocolate. There, that is sexual chocolate, yes. Nice. Now they'll start using that shit on TV, watch. <laughs> May says chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. <laughs> May says rush hour. It's even better. Chicken and rice is pretty good, but that's pretty fucking racist, though. <laughs> Jackie Chan. <laughs> That's rush hour. That's it. They are now called rush hour. <laughs> Maze, you're a fucking genius. Maze is awesome. Okay. Oh, Maze. Rush hour. So that tag team will now rush be called hour rush hour. Funny. Rush hour is funny, but if I can check out it, <laughs> do you understand a word that's coming out of my mouth? I get away with some racist shit, but chicken and rice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and we've been we've been accused of being racist for a long time on this show, but that's one of those racist things. Oof. So racist that you don't even realize it happened. I'm almost afraid like, Mays heard. I'm almost afraid Mays might have heard that at a clan meeting. That was that was some racist shit that just happened. Holy shit, that was racist. It happened on our show. What the fuck, man? How did he know that I was going to order the chicken? Oh wow, that's awesome. Oh, moving on. After the match, of course, uh, again, Yoshitatsu, Mark Henry get the win, <laughs> defeating the team of Slater and Gabriel. Uh, John Cena <coughs> makes his way out of the crowd, goes to ringside, pulls Heath Slater out, and basically uh, clears the announce table that CM Punk and Michael Cole are sitting at. 
And does the attitude adjustment to Heath Slater breaking the announce table for the rest of the night and runs out of the building. Gotta love it. You're fired from the company and you're interfering in matches. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Watermelon sushi. Watermelon sushi. And Maze is black. For those that, of makes you, even, that makes it even funnier to well, me. That makes see, it even better. That makes it acceptable, Trey. Black people can be racial on each other. It's okay. Smoochie is picking up all of my jokes tonight. He's like calling me out for everything I say. Like that last one was Dave Chappelle. He nailed it. Well, goddamn. That was fucking, that was fucking racist. How did that guy know I was going to order the chicken? Come on, fella. We didn't use you to order the chicken the minute you walked in here. It ain't no big surprise that black people and chickens are fond of each other. Okay. Awesome, Trey. So let's let's move on to uh, the finals here at Raw. Uh, we have a backstage segment with Otunga saying that Cena getting fired has made things worse. And, of course, Barrett disagrees and says they have no restrictions about what they can do to him. He says it will all end tonight. And he's going to the ring uh, to call Cena out. So back in Lawler's dressing room, we find Double uh, A, Arn Anderson, who quite frankly, I hope he gets put in the Hall of Fame at WrestleMania 27 this year, since they're going to be in Hotlanta, Georgia. Can't think of anybody more deserving to be in the WWE Hall of Fame than Double A, Arn Anderson, the Enforcer, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, master of the spine buster. Nobody did it like Double A. But uh, Double A is talking with Lawler and wishing him luck in his match. <laughs> Basically says that, uh, you know, Lawler says that he's never had a match <coughs> for the WWE Championship, which we've already bullshit. we've already discussed as a bullshit, you know. They just forgot, apparently. When they go back and do their history and they, they write their promos and tell people what to say, they apparently forgot about that. But that's okay. So he tells Arn he can't pass it up. And uh, Arn says, well, go out there and win. And so Lawler gets ready. Uh, King of the Ring semifinal. We've got Jomo taking on Alberto Del Rio. And this was a really good match by both guys. You know, Morrison gets a lot of flack. And people say that he sucks in the ring. And, you know, Del Rio is a guy who gets a lot of praise. I'm very high on Del Rio. But I like Morrison. I thought, I thought that their styles meshed pretty well tonight. I mean, it wasn't a, a ter too terribly long match. And Del Rio was really focusing in on the, uh, the injured body parts of John Morrison. But the finish came when we heard the horn from Alberto Del Rio's car honking, which basically diverted the attention of uh, of Alberto Del Rio, allowing you know John Morrison to get that chuck kick, that flying chuck kick. And I gotta tell you, that's the loudest goddamn horn I've heard on a car in my entire life. Oh, it was pretty fucking loud. You know, thus, and, and I figured Rey Mysterio was going to interfere. In the match without with Del Rio, I figured he was going to cost him uh, advancing too far in the King of the Ring, simply because of what he did to Rey Mysterio. You know, and these guys are having a great feud, and I'm really enjoying the chemistry that they both have. But uh, yeah, so Morrison gets the uh, gets the win here and moves on to the finals. Um, next up, we have Wade Barrett coming down to the ring, delivering a promo, basically calling out John Cena. He says that he sees through Cena's plan. Um, and he's the only person that can give him his job back, but he won't reinstate him. He'll never work <laughs> for the WWE again. 
The element of surprise is gone, and Nexus will get him soon enough. Well, Cena basically comes on the Titantron and says that, you know, I might have lost, but I promised you I'd take you all out before I left. And as far as security coming to get me, it's the same security team that you guys beat up when you initially came to the show. And they're in no hurry to uh, to get rid of me. Of course, then the Nexus finds John Cena in the back. And uh, just as they're getting ready to jump John Cena, Cena says, well, I'm not the only one that has a problem with you. And then we have uh, an assortment of WWE superstars in the back jumping the Nexus from that point on. So very interesting little segment. Smoochie. Smoochie's black, too. We were having a conversation earlier about that. I am just shocked at the number of black people that listen to this show. As much racist shit as I say. <laughs> it just blows me away. It shouldn't. It, it, you know what? It shouldn't. It shouldn't blow I you I love up. black people. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah, you just can't say the other. Oh, I don't say that. And but I don't think that's. A, I don't think that. I don't think the N word is a black thing. No, no, it's not. I mean, I See, know that I'm one of those. I think the N word is like all colors of people. I know several white people that are that way. Trust me. Yeah. In all different locations around the United States. We got a black kid whose first name is Trent. He's uppity. He's uppity. He's yeah. he's uppity. He's he's high class. <clears throat> and right now, he is not only uppity, but he is, uh, like, on edge. Like, he's, like, fucking ready to snap. Well, I, I think I think he's more on the straight edge. He's, you know, he's he's taking yeah, he stopped, things to CM stopped, Punk way. Yeah, he stopped smoking pot, doing drugs. And we're glad that you can use Wrestling News Live as a way to get off pot, because most people would say it's, like, the gateway drug to pot. There you go. I mean, it's, yeah, definitely it is. So moving on uh, in the Raw recap, we're down to, and this is going to be very brief, we're down to a six diva tag match. I thought Melina looked like microwaved shit tonight with her hair straight, by the way. She looked like hammered shit, eh? She looked like hammered dog shit tonight. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those internet nerds that go, Oh, my God, she looks so horrible. I wouldn't fuck her if I had to. No, I'd still fuck her in a heartbeat. Don't get me wrong. I would fuck her till I was out of the will to live, if that ever came around. But just pointing out that tonight she didn't look as attractive. She looked kind of weird. Well, there you go. Um, this match took an interesting toll because we had uh, Santino Morella come down during the middle of the match and basically serenade Tamina. To, I think we're alone now. In front of the crowd of how many thousand people he's singing Tiffany, I think we're alone now. There doesn't seem to be anyone around. Bling, 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 bling. Yeah, and of course they leave the arena together, obviously leaving... Uh, Maurice and Alicia Fox defend themselves off against Natalia, Gail Kim, and Molina. Finish comes when uh, Alicia is put into the sharpshooter while Gail Kim takes out Maurice and uh, Natalia gets the tap-out victory on Alicia Fox. Very strong segment for, for Natalia. She's looked great. 
since winning the Divas Championship. I mean, she's stiff in the ring, and she's really starting to show that she's oh the dominant God. diva. White Wolf. Gail Kim looked fuckable again tonight. I'd love to give her the banana split. Very nice. Wow. You dirty people. Women are not objects. They're people too, damn it. They're people too. Um, our next segment of the night backstage comes to us. Uh, Ted DiBiase has a replica belt in his locker room. It's that stupid LCD belt that they gave Toby Keith that plays the superstar themes. If you know what I'm talking about. Did I miss that? Where did, where did Toby Keith get a belt? Toby Keith, when he hosted Monday Night Raw about a month or two ago. Right, I remember him doing that and getting the ring. One of the divas gave him the LCD belt. Because he's a obviously a lifelong WWE fan, wrestling fan. So they gave him one of those belts. And it basically plays the superstar themes. It looks like the current belt that Miz holds, only the the middle part is like LED. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So he got one of those. Apparently, you know, Ted DiBiase had one of those in the back. And uh, Maurice comes in and starts yelling at him for playing with a toy instead of going out and winning the real thing. So they're really starting to... Sh- this This has legs. I like what they're doing, Maurice. I, I wasn't... So she yells at him for playing with the toy when he should be out with getting the real thing. And at the end of the night, she's going to go home and play with the toy because she doesn't have the real thing. Well, exactly. Uh, here's the thing. A lot of people are real down on did Ted DiBiase. And, I mean, I haven't been impressed with his run as a heel, to be real honest. I felt like they blew the opportunity they had with him when they were doing the uh, the legacy breakup. I thought that Ted should have split from the group and kind of went face. You know, then they basically made him a retooled version of his dad, which I didn't really care for. Then they stuck him with Maurice, and people were all up in arms about, oh, what does this do for him? Well, and I've said all along that I thought this had potential because Ted could be turned into a face really easy now that Maurice is acting like a bitch. When Maurice sits there and talks down to him and treats him like a piece of shit and he stays there and takes it, it evokes sympathy heat for Ted DiBiase. Yes, dear. Who hasn't broken up with somebody because they've been like that? You know, another thing my dad said, another wise thing he said was, and JSK even said this, which surprised me. JSK said it a lot. No matter how hot a bitch is, Somebody somewhere is tired of putting up with her shit. That's that's a very good point, Trey. So I really think that where they're going with this is uh, Ted's going to continue to take the abuse for a little bit. And when he and Marie split, I mean, she's obviously going to align herself with somebody. Wouldn't it be interesting? And again, maybe it's the fantasy booker in me. It just, just came off the top of my head. The Miz. Wouldn't it be great if the Miz and Maurice hook up? And then Ted DiBiase tries to get retribution against The Miz. I'd go for that. I think it's in the works, people. I do. And if, if it is, you heard it here first. Nobody else that I know has said this. I'm probably the first person to say this. But Maurice I think... can talk shit to me in French. <coughs> she can, Maurice can sit there and tell me I have a tiny penis all night while I'm laying in bed with her. I wouldn't care. No, oh, there you go. Well, I mean, if you're laying in bed with her, though, you've already got your point. <laughs> The reason I say The Miz, Mac Daddy, is because uh, I have actually heard that The Miz and Maurice have been dating for a while. I don't know if that's still going on or or what, but, you know, they were even hooked up 
about a year ago, if you remember the Miz storyline where he was trying to get with her. Now that he's the WWE champion, why wouldn't she be throwing she, herself she at the Miz? She'd come back around and be like, oh, so I see you got your shit together. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be, but I'm just saying it's a booking possibility. They've got to do something. It would something. also be a way to get Riley away from him also. Yeah, they've got to do something to to Ted DiBiase to fresh him up because the the way he's going right now, it's just not working for him. I think he, he's got ma- major babyface potential. I really think that that would be the way Now that I hear that she's dating him in real life, it makes me really not like The Miz. So, like, I was I was a big fan of Chris Saban for a while, but not anymore. I hear you. I hear you. So, of course, next up, we've got uh, Josh Matthews standing backstage with both John Morrison and Sheamus. Basically, we get an impromptu face-to-face meeting before the King of the Ring final happens. Um, Miss USA comes out with Santino and announces the participants for the King of the Ring finals. So this brings us to our last and final King of the Ring match. It is Sheamus taking on Jomo. Pretty good back and forth. Match of the night, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. I, from what I saw of it, it was great. Uh, at one point, Morrison goes for the Starship Pain. Sheamus gets his knees up and follows it up with the Brogue Kick. He doesn't pin him there. He picks him up and hits him with the high cross razor's edge power bomb and gets the one, two, three. So you're new king of the ring for 2010. Sheamus. Ireland's owned fella. Sheamus, two-time WWE champion. He's the king of the ring now, fella. And now king of the ring. And now he has something in common with Triple H, who also is a former king of the ring. So when Triple H does make his comeback... I see a feud with Sheamus being imminent for the actual King of Kings moniker, probably. Yeah, when he stood up and said, I'm the only king or I'm the real king or something like that, you, if you didn't see a Triple H feud coming, you're blind. Absolutely. I, I think that's exactly uh, what's going to happen. Sheamus heads to the top of the ramp so he can get his uh, <laughs> his robe, his crown, and his scepter. Now, Maybe it's me, but why did they give Seamus a plunger as a scepter? It looked like a giant dum-dum pop. Oh, my God. It looked awful. I mean, that's not a fucking scepter. It looked like something that you would find at the fucking hardware store trying to fucking unplunge your toilet. I was very a disappointed gazing, with it that. It was a gazing ball on a stick. Yes. It was gaudy. It was awful. I mean, if you want, if you want like a, a scepter that looks cool, why don't you go back and try and find the old prop that Savage had or... Maybe ask Jerry the King Lawler to borrow one of his. I, I just, oh, it was awful. But Seamus is your king of the ring. Seamus. And he, he joins an elite group of people and, well, a few not so elite, you know, like Billy Gunn and <laughs> Mabel. So hopefully Seamus will be a much better king of the ring than those two. Was was your good buddy uh, the warrior? Was he ever a king of the ring? No, uh, I know that Haku was a king of the ring. Now you got to remember, king of the ring was something that was happening in the late eighties, early nineties. It didn't officially become a pay per view to the WWE, and it wasn't televised until nineteen ninety three, uh, the year that Bret the Hitman Hart won the king of the ring uh, on pay per view. That's when they really started. That was supposed to be the origin point of King of the Ring. So Randy Savage won it, became the Macho King. Um, you had King Haku, 
I think didn't the junkyard dog even win it, or was it Harley Race? I, I thought Harley Race won it. I thought maybe it was okay. It was those two in the final. I think that one year, and then they played a match off. I that's I'm going back too far into my brain to really think about it right now. It's late at night, and I'm not putting two two together. But yeah, Harley Race was uh, was a king of the ring as well. So I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's been going on for a long time. And Haku was a king of the ring. So. But again, they didn't start that pay-per-view until 93, and then they actually went for almost 10 years with that pay-per-view. It was discontinued in 2002 when Brock Lesnar became the final king of the ring before resurrecting it again for a one-night tournament on SmackDown in which King Booker became the king. King Booker! Who used to call Jerry Lawler, Jimmy, Jerome, Jerome yeah, Lawler. Bro. So now we move to the main event of the night. Surprising that he wasn't main eventing in that first hour, Trey, as you had thought was going to happen as of last well, week. Well, you couldn't, you couldn't do that tonight. It was King of the Ring. You couldn't do that tonight. Well, but it's nice to see that a guy like The Miz will main event the pay-per-view. And for all those people bitching, oh, fucking match. Oh, for all those people that are out there crying. Uh, seriously, The Miz did exactly what he should have done. He is the weasel champion right now. And in doing so, he's doing everything that a heel weasel champion should do. Uh, even, you know, as far as the match was concerned, Lawler had a lot of good offense. You know, at one point, we thought Lawler was going to win. Uh, at one point, Lawler climbs the ladder. Michael Cole leaves the broadcast area and tries to help the Miz get up. Uh, he pulls Lawler off the ladder. Lawler, of course, flipping out on Michael Cole. Cole apologizes. And then Lawler knocks him down, pounds on the Miz, gets back in the ring, you know, and then Miz finally knocks him off the ladder and pulls the belt down to retain. I thought that the way this ended really solidified the fact that the Miz is the top heel in the company on Raw. I thought this worked out brilliantly. A lot of people are wanting to see the Miz lose this championship. So you're going to pay to watch pay-per-views to see this guy get his ass kicked. You're going to tune in every night, every Monday night, to watch The Miz get his ass kicked. That's what makes a great heel wrestler. And whether you people love Miz or you hate him, he is doing his job to a T that you hate him so much. I, I, I applaud the WWE for putting this title on Mizanin. And again, I'm not a guy that was high on him until the last year or so. When he came back from being John Cena's bitch initially came back you know under the mask and won his position back on raw changed his gimmick ditched the hoorah and worked his ass off to get where he is i think he deserves to be there and i think he's going to be there for a little bit do i think he's going to hold the championship after mania no but i think he's going to be going into mania the wwe champion and i'd be surprised if that ends before mania but i like the direction that they're going in they have solidified a new main event star for the company who deserves to be there, and he's a great heel. So kudos to the WWE. I will uh, just bite my tongue on all this. I still don't care much for The Miz as a champion, and I'll get into more of that in the next segment. But that, uh, that was your Raw recap. I know we went a little long on that, but that was your Raw recap. Well, it was a good Raw. It needed to be recapped that way. It wasn't a normal Raw. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I, I thought we did a good job with it tonight. I thought that 
the WWE did a fantastic job with the show tonight, and I, I give this show a B plus. I re- from start to finish, I liked it. I, okay, WWE fan for or WWE for life. The Miz isn't ready. A lot of guys aren't ready when they get their initial title push. But you roll with the punches. I don't see that he's not ready. I see a guy that busts his ass. He's got a great work ethic. And he has overcome the odds. I mean, <laughs> you got to look at it this way. In professional wrestling, okay, here's the way it works. You either have a certain look or you have a certain ability that gets you over with people. The Miz gets over with the fans in the form of heat. The guy works hard. And as far as the WWE Championship, it's a prop. The belt has always been about elevating somebody to that next level. And that's what the championship is. Every championship on that roster is there for a purpose, to elevate a guy to the next level. The Miz has been the U.S. champion. Now, granted, I will agree with a lot of the criticism out there that he did not defend that championship as much as he should have. And he held that championship and was more worried about defending his tag team gold with the big show. I will agree with you there. But the bottom line is he's busted his ass. He's paid his dues. He's been a mid-card champion. He's been a tag team champion. So the next evolution for The Miz, as hot as he is in this last year, was to elevate him to main event status. Because let's not forget, folks, they are in a rebuilding process in the WWE. If not The Miz, then who else would you put in that top spot? Oh, I have an email that you're going to love to hear later. Good. I can't wait. I want you people to criticize me for what I'm saying. I want you to disagree with me. That's what this show is about. I have an opinion, as do you, and I want you to agree with me or disagree with me. I'm okay with that. At the end of the day, it doesn't make me not sleep well at night. But from a realistic point of view, in the past, when somebody's gotten a push to be the WWE champion, it's been for a reason. Not every guy that works his ass off and doesn't have the right look makes it there. If guys got the belt because of their work ethic, a lot of times, Bobby Eaton would have been a champion multiple times. Guys like Arn Anderson would have been a world champion multiple times. It's about what you can bring to the table. And whether you like it or you don't, Miz brings something that a lot of people don't have. He's great on the stick, and he's average in the ring, and he's gotten much better. But he has marketability written all over him. In a year or two, this guy could be the top face in the company. Mark my words. He's there because he deserves to be there. And that's my two cents. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been My Two Cents, brought to you by JJ Sexa, the number five, the color purple, and Sony. And again, at the end of the night, I'm not a wrestling analyst. I'm not someone who has a degree in professional wrestling. I, like you, am a wrestling fan. By God, wrestling fan, take us to break. Sounds good. Uh, We'll be right back with more Wrestling News Lives. We're going to tackle some emails. Take your phone calls. I want to know what you guys thought about tonight's King of the Ring edition for Monday Night Raw. I want to know what you think about The Miz as champion. Spread the venom or give the praise, but do one or the other. We'll be right back right after the break. I think Gobble's just shitting the floor.
Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA, and you're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, J.J. Sexay of Sunday Night Showdown. If you're looking for the latest wrestling news on the World Wide Web, you should check out www.fromheadlocks2headlines.com. It's the official news source for Sunday Night Showdown, and you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.fromheadlocks2headlines.com. Hey, JJ, we got a little bit of time before wrestling starts. Uh, anything in particular you want to watch on TV? I don't know, man. Seriously, whatever you want to watch is fine with me. Dude, let's watch American Idol. This is American Idol. Plus, there's a little bit of ego that's getting out of control with you, I think, based on what your friends and family are telling me. Well, dude, dude my ego needs to stay, stay, stay intact. You're more embarrassed than Clay is. Yeah. You believe that you've created everything for all of us, correct? There's a song, and I do credit YouTube for the song. You want the credit, you get the blame. I'm guessing you want me to lose every kind of point and, oh, fuck's sake. Okay. God, a power and a force that you've never seen before. They got the ability to morph and even up the score. No one will ever take them down. The power's on their side. Go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Money Morphin Power Rangers. There's the chorus. See, it, it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. <laughs> you, you guys can't sit there and say Crowley's not the man because, uh, I'm surprised he did it, quite frankly. That was awesome. All the props to Krillin. Absolutely. Now let's smack him in the face with Matt Hardy's penis and move on. <laughs> Get out of here, you fucking poor kid. Terry Borash, and you're listening to Wrestling News Live on the SNS Radio Network.
We're back right here, Wrestling News Live. There you hear the theme of the new king of the ring, Sheamus. It's a shameful thing. Lost your head. Too many lies because Trey is so tired of the truth. So on this show, we vow to lie to you from now on, Trey. I thought it was a shameful thing that we had to listen to Crowley sing again. Oh, come on. The fucking foreign kid was awesome. Well, maybe not that awesome, but he was all right. I think, and I was thinking about this before uh, Maverick, I believe, brought it up. I think what we're going to do is, on the craptacular, instead of the normal re-entries, what we, what we in the biz, the business, what we call the re-entry, which is what you just heard was Seamus's theme, that's the re-entry back into the show from the commercial break. I think for our breaks, and we usually do three breaks, I think, on the craptacular, what we're going to do this year is, on your re-entries, is going to be Crelly singing some of your favorite Christmas songs. We actually want people to listen to the Craptacular, Trey. Well, it's not called Craptacular for a reason, you know. You make a valid point, actually, yeah. It kind it's of is. It's not called the Wrestling News Live Greatest Fucking Episode Ever. It's called the Christmas Craptacular. Yeah, okay. Point, point made. Well taken. So here are the fucking foreign kids sing your favorites like Jingle Bells and Silent Night and Deck the Halls. <laughs> oh, that's it. we could we could actually like make a CD with Crelly singing, and we could we could sell it oh, for yeah. Christmas. You know, Crelly sings Christmas. Right. Put it up on the WNL shop. I think that'd be great. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, apparently WNL does have a new shop up. So definitely uh, check it out. And I also, again, earlier tonight we did the news. Uh, and credited, of course, our official news source here on Wrestling News Live, wrestling-online.com. Uh, guys, check out the site. It's a great site. A lot of news comes out on that site. There's a newsletter that comes out multiple times a week that uh, is sent by Colin Vassilo. Definitely check it out. Go subscribe to the newsletter. Over 26,000 have subscribed to that newsletter. Be a part of the movement and uh, sign up for the newsletter at wrestling-online.com. We are the official radio show of wrestlingonline.com. So. And while we are pimping things out, as JSK used to say, Pimp it. Uh, time for our tweet of the week that came to me this week. The tweet of the week, if you want to follow me on Twitter, real simple, it's at Trey, W-N-L, T-R-E-Y-W-N-L. And don't forget to follow WNL Radio at WNL Radio. Uh, the tweet of the week from the underscore Rockport. At Trey WNL. Hey, Grandpa of Wrestling Radio. I'm loving the new official news site of WNL Radio. Wrestling-online.com. Plus, the updated WNL site is fantastic. I'm in awe of both. That is your tweet of the week. And what a great tweet that is. Thank you so much, Rockport. That's awesome. And we'll be reading emails here momentarily. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for you, the WNL family, to give us a call. Of course, just add Sunday Night Showdown to your Skype 
or you can give us a call at 501-588-7957. While we're waiting on some of that feedback, I do want to make an announcement. Um, This is officially from AudioWrestling.com. It's the final week to enter nominations for the best wrestling radio shows and interviews of 2010 to be honored at the Wrestling Radio Awards 2011. Get your last-minute nominations in now at www.wrestlingradioawards.com. That's www.wrestlingradioawards.com. Or you can go to www.wrestlingnewslive.tk, wrestlingnewslive.tk, and go down to the lower left-hand corner and click the WRA Awards link, and it will take you to the voting page where you can vote for Wrestling News Live and JJ Sexay as often as you choose. I got mail! Yay! I got mail! Yay! Of course you have an email, you idiot! Just read it! Oh, that's not nice. I mean, you, you're making fun of a retarded person. Oh, this, this coming from Trey, the man who owns a fucking retarded turkey. Hey, I saved that turkey. <laughs> Doubles! Hey, buddy! Oh, no, no, that's not the door. No, that's the window. No. Oh. Keep trying, buddy. Keep trying. Oh, there you go. All right, good boy. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm lost. What did Gobbles just do? Well, he's trying to get in the door, but he's mistaken it for the screen on the on the door, on the sliding glass door. So he was like head butting the glass door, thinking he could just go outside. Gobbles is retarded, you know. Just, just a, he's 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 slightly touched. Yes. Yeah, he's got a touch of the tard, and he doesn't do well with windows or uh, mirrors. I see. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, crack open the emails. The uh, first one comes to us from uh, our good friend Filio. Evening, fellas. Last week, Trey compared Miz to HBK, stating that HBK came across as more of a man's man compared to Miz. Really? HBK, a man's man. Really? Yes, we all know that in real life, Shawn Michaels is a noted outdoorsman and hunter. However, apparently Trey's idea of a man's man a uh, true badass, as he as he called him, is a guy who, in his mid-90s heyday, posed in Playgirl, which we all know what group of people are the most frequent readers of that mag, and in a chicks, sang his own song about being a sexy boy, wore dangling earrings, pranced around the ring in his entrance, and wore leather chaps that he unzipped and swung around like a male stripper. <laughs> if this is Trey's idea of a man's man... We may have learned something new about the dog. Just kidding, Trey, but you get my point. Using Trey's logic, HBK, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, they weren't big and muscular badasses, so they should not have been heavyweight champions. No, 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 no. Well, that's how you came across. I will say that. No. What makes Miz so good? He's arrogant as hell. or He makes you want to see him lose. When he wins, he pisses you off. If you can't confront, but you can't confront him, so you hope he steps in dog shit and tracks it all over the carpet. Props to Chris Jericho for that line. In a sense, Miz is a lot like Jericho in WCW and the WWF pre-E, with less comedy and more heel arrogance. Miz will have big moments. In fact, cashing in Money in the Bank is his first big moment. There will most likely be more to come. And hey, if there aren't, 
at least the WWE is trying to push new stars and freshen up the product in a way that makes sense, unlike TNA. For that, we would tip our caps to them. Keep up the awesome work, Philio. Okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, while HBK was stripping his uh, ring attire and wearing dangling earrings, that was the style in the 80s, by the way. And the women were fucking going ape shit nuts for Sean. Um, but I do understand what you're saying. Yes, his song has always been gay. I've always been a, I've always hated that song. Um, but I'm talking more of, you know, as he got older, got off drugs, you know, it was a part of his gimmick early on. When he got older, he had the beard, more of a, you know, man's man as an older gentleman than a, a younger drug-induced Shawn Michaels. Um, as far as Jericho and the fact that The Miz reminds you of Jericho in the WCW, WWF days, good. That's, 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 that's exactly the point I was making. How many WCW world titles did Jericho hold? None. That's because he wasn't ready yet. When he came to the WWF and eventually the WWE, he got better by facing better people. Well, hold on a second. Hold on. Now, hold on. I'm not done. Okay, I'll wait till you're done. How many people, main event stars, main event stars, has, has Miz beaten? None. Until seven guys took Randy Orton apart and he cashed in his money in the bank. He's faced Cena twice and lost. One time, he was buried by Cena. Completely buried by a guy who was a standard bearer in the world heavyweight title picture. You know? Um, the reason that we like Shawn Michaels and we like Chris Jericho once they won the world heavyweight title is because they fought so long in the in the mid card area that they became you know our favorites no matter what their size or stature. The Miz, even withholding the U.S. title, he never defended the motherfucker. Name one feud the Miz had that lasted longer than a month. You know, I mean, when he did lose, he lost to Daniel Bryan. A guy that hadn't been in the company longer than, longer than a month. You know? So, hey, to each his own. But I'm telling you right now, everybody was excited when The Miz won, but a lot of people have changed their minds since last week. And if you look at the internet wrestling community, what I was going to say tonight is... It has never been so obvious as it is tonight that the internet wrestling community is completely different than the wrestling community. The wrestling community being the people that go to the shows, order the pay-per-views, buy the merchandise, because everybody... On this show, damn near, not everybody, but 90% of you, your fucking dicks were hard the minute he cashed that thing in 
and you thought it was the greatest thing since pussy was invented. And because I said I didn't like it, y'all trashed on me last week, which is okay. You're eight, you're 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 welcome to do that on this show. You don't have to agree with my opinion. But you go tonight and you listen to the crowd. They were booing the Miz, a guy that the internet wrestling community is in love with. That's the reaction you want. I understand that. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, do you not see the difference? If the internet wrestling community was in that stadium tonight, the Miz would have been cheered. Because everybody was so happy that he won that belt last week. If he were a face, yes, I would agree with no, you. No, 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 it has nothing to do with that. Everybody in their dog last week thought that the Miz winning that belt was the best thing ever. So that tells me that there's a lot of Miz fans out there. I'm not one of them. But the people that actually pay and go to these events and buy the merchandise are different than the people that sit at home all day on their computer and do nothing but bitch and complain. There's a big difference between the internet wrestling community and the actual community that gets out and goes to these events and spends the money on the pay-per-view and the merchandise. Okay, and I see your point. But uh, you made mention to Jericho being in WCW, and you talked about how Jericho wasn't a world champion because he wasn't ready. Uh, Wrong. Glass ceiling in WCW. Guys like Kevin Nash and Eric Bischoff and guys like Bill Goldberg who didn't want to give Jericho the opportunity. Does anybody remember the little skit that they did with Jericho where he wanted to face Goldberg? But Goldberg didn't see him as a credible guy because he was smaller than Goldberg and didn't want to work with him. And since that happened, Bischoff wasn't willing to put it on there. Now, if you ask Bischoff later... If he thought it was a mistake that Jericho left the company shortly afterward, he didn't want Jericho to leave because he saw a lot of potential in Jericho. Jericho held every major title in WCW except Except. the World Heavyweight Championship. And it wasn't because he wasn't ready. By God, when he made the jump in 99, Jericho was one of the most over people in that company. It's because he couldn't get through the, the glass ceiling of WCW. The problem with WCW was that guys like Nash held the young talent down. It was about them. But your better matches were on the mid-card. Your better matches weren't the main event of WCW, so that should tell you something there. So that one doesn't really work with me either. I'm not saying my personal thought was that he wasn't ready. I'm just saying that that was the company's line. He wasn't ready. The company said he wasn't ready. Not me. Fuck, I don't have nothing to do with WCW booking. No, the biggest problem WCW ever had was giving their guys with their uh, guaranteed contracts full creative control over their gimmicks, like I've Cole said Kogan. That many times. And it was that same way with Goldberg, who, quite frankly, was green as shit and given the belt. Is that a guy? You know, you want to sit here and talk about guys that aren't deserving of a belt. Was Bill Goldberg deserving of the championship run that he got? Fuck no, he's not. He ended the career of of arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time because he was green as shit after he'd been champion for a while. Bret the Hitman Hart doesn't have a career today because of Bill Goldberg. Because he did a fucking mule kick to his head and nearly kicked his goddamn head off. Yeah. At least The Miz is seasoned. He's been wrestling for a number of years and has held fucking championships, whether he defended them every week or not. The bottom line here is The Miz is a fucking heel. It is his job to go out there and piss all of you off. And those of you that hate his guts, by God, wake up and smell the coffee. 
You hate his guts because he does his job to the fucking T. Better than most that's, people that's, do. That's not what I'm saying, though. People, you, the people that are booing him are booing him because he's doing his job, yes. But the people on the internet think he can do no wrong. Like, he's the fucking, if Jeff Hardy's the Antichrist in wrestling, then he's the fucking savior. Well, if people think that, they're, they're mistaken. I think he's going to do great things with this run. And he's going to continue to get criticism, and people are going to pay to fucking watch him get beat. I mean, if you're a fan of The Miz, God bless you. I don't care. I don't like him, and I have that right. You do have that right. I just, I don't, I don't see the guy as a world heavyweight champion. And I've received many, many messages and many, many emails of people that agree with me. That's fine. Not everybody's going to have the same opinion. Again, I am giving an opinion based on some fact here. I, I really don't care if people hate him or love him. I personally think it was a good move for the WWE. I, I can't say that it was or it wasn't. I don't know yet. Who the fuck am I to say it was a good or bad move? I don't work for the company. Like I said, just because... I don't, I don't draw a dime from the WWE. I'm not even a stockholder. Just so because who am I to say it's a good or a bad idea? It's only been a week. No, I hear you. Just because like I'm high on the Miz doesn't mean I want to drop down to my knees and you know fucking give him the credit he deserves. I just happen to be someone who has worked in the business and I've seen people that have worked their ass off not get where they needed to go, and I've seen people that you know that have. And quite frankly, the Miz is deserving of this opportunity. Now, whether he runs with it and does a fantastic job, and a year from now people are like, "Holy shit." You know, it was a good move to put the championship on the Miz. He did great things. You're either going to get that or you're going to get, oh, my God, that was the most abysmal title run that they ever had. And people that bitch and say, oh, this is the stupidest move they've ever done, you're still watching the product because you want to see somebody beat the Miz. And that's what it comes down to. It's the same way with any guy before him that's been a fucking heel, whether you loved him or you hated him. You watch the show because you want to see the cowardly hill get his ass kicked. And you want to see the face overcome the odds. And as much as I hate John Cena, that's what he does. And I have to give him credit for that. But I don't like him. But I give him credit for it. That's the difference. This rant has been brought to you by J.J. Sexay, the CEO of the SNS Radio Network. I'm just, you know, people are like, how can you not like him? I can not like him for every reason you like him. <laughs> it's a personal preference. I don't drink coffee. Right. Why? Because I don't like it. Again, to each his own. I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. I, I, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I don't care. I just think that in storyline terms of what the WWE is going through, this transitional period where they're looking to build new stars, They've hit a home run this, this year, and a lot of people bitch that the veterans aren't there. Well, no, they're not. And the WWE has made that mistake in the past of only pushing the one guy, and that was John Cena. Well, and they, well, they pushed yeah. Batista. So they're well, learning I mean, from their mistakes. People, and you say that people watch to see him get beat. That's not necessarily true either. Because if he came out tomorrow night and said, well, I have uh, you know, polio with a penis. I have to retire. I'm sorry, my career's over. I would go, oh, man, that kind of sucks. Sorry to see you. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Now, <laughs> again. I would. I, I would be like, 
okay, well, all right, man, that sucks. Sorry. But I would watch even if he was or was not on the show. Well, and they've had situations where they've had a situation like that. Uh, let's go back to 2004. Brock Lesnar, prior to WrestleMania, says, I want to go play football. It's my dream. Yeah. I just signed a seven-year contract, but I want to go play football. He drops the title to Eddie Guerrero the month before and then gets saddled into a feud with Bill Goldberg that's going to culminate at WrestleMania. That's his last match with the WWE. And Brock Lesnar, if he was still there, would be probably one of the top superstars in professional wrestling. Hands down. Hands down. John Cena would not have gotten the push that he has gotten if Brock Lesnar was still with the WWE. Nope. Brock was at, or excuse me, John Cena was at the right place at the right time, and he made the right connections. And that's why he is where he is today. But like Flair 16 says, you know, I'm going to watch wrestling regardless of who's on the show because it's wrestling, number one. Number two, I can back that up because when Sean retired and Triple H left, I was like, wow, two of the reasons why I watch Raw are not on Raw anymore, but I still watch. Okay, well, let let me ask everybody a question. I want you to really think about this. Why do you watch professional wrestling? What is it about wrestling that you guys enjoy? Okay? To me, ever since I was a small child, and I think I started watching wrestling because my stepdad got me into it, and I started off watching the NWA back in, say, 1983, and my favorite competitors at that point in time were the Rock and Roll Express. But do you know what what really got me into professional wrestling? It was the fact that wrestling is about good versus evil. You have your faces, you have your heels. Why do they fight? Because one is good and one is bad. That's what wrestling is about. It's good versus evil. And you ask me that question, I'm going to say I watch it for the storylines. Which center around good versus evil? I I watch it for the entertainment value of... Not necessarily who's fighting who, but why they're fighting. Like I said, I, I just I want people to sit back and really take this in. Why do you watch wrestling? If you're not watching it to see the heel get his ass kicked every week, then why are you watching it? If you're not watching it to watch the face overcome the odds, why are you watching the show? Because there's cool people out there that vote or that cheer for the, the, the heels and boo the faces because it's cool. I would like to think there's more to it than that. No, not really. No? Well, another reason I watch wrestling is because I do a wrestling radio show. Okay, Trey, I wanted you to suspend your disbelief for a second. As no, a no, seriously, because if I didn't have to do this show at the end of Raw, sometimes I might not watch it. Well, there you go. And I'll be honest with you. Okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with cheering I've, for the Hills. I've missed many a good Monday night football games that I wanted to see but had to miss because of the show. I don't want to come in here and go, uh, well, there was a Raw, and... Uh, there was a match, and uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I know Uncle Trey Dog likes to tell the stories on, the, on, on this show, um, but Uncle JJ's got a story of his own he wants to tell you about. Ooh, gather around, kids. Uncle JJ got a story to tell. It's rare that JJ does this, but he does it. My best friend to this day is still a guy named David Ships, and I met him back in 1991. I know I sound like Grandma Trey Dog. I met him back in 1991, when oh, I don't moved, bring that bitch up. Don't, don't even. 
Uh, I met him in 91 when I moved away from, uh, from Denver, Colorado, back to my home state of Arkansas. And I had switched schools. I was a, I believe I was a, I was a junior going into this school in Arkansas. And I met up with this guy that was about a foot taller than me. And he looked a lot like Cactus Jack. And to this day, he still looks a lot like Cactus Jack. He had the long hair. He had the beard. He was a wrestling fan. And so he and I got along really well. Turns out we have the same birthday. And so we started hanging out. Well, he is still my lifelong friend. We are still best friends to this day. And we talk every so often. And he graduated a year before I did because he was older. And so my senior year, after I got out of high school, we ended up living together for a little while and had some really kick-ass parties that I'll have to, I'll have to tell you guys about sometimes. Some really crazy shit went on in that, that particular household. Um, his mother came to him and said, you know what? I either want you to go to college or I will send you to wrestling school. And Dave didn't want to go to college. He wanted to pursue wrestling because he was a fan of professional wrestling. And back then, stupid Arkansas hicks like me and him didn't know that wrestling was staged. Because there were many a times, and he to this day is still one of the only people I know that has powerbombed me and suplexed me in a bingo hall. And that's a true story because his mother used to own a bingo hall in Arkansas. And we'd go and help her out and help set stuff up. And his stepdad did casino stuff, so we'd do casinos all the time. And in our spare time, we'd put together matches and shit, and we'd fucking wrestle in a bingo hall. Not that there was a ring. There was just a concrete floor. And getting slammed on concrete hurts, motherfucker. I tell you, it hurts. So when his mother approached him with this proposal... He took her up on it, and he went to wrestling school, and he went down to Sam Kent School in, in Georgia, and I forget the name of it right now. And he trained there for about a year or two, and he got so good at being a preliminary guy, he was good at selling the moves, that he helped Bull Buchanan along. At the time, Bull Buchanan was working as Sunset Sam McGraw. He had a hand in helping to train Bull Buchanan at that point in time. So he did the wrestling thing for about two years in Georgia, and he got disheartened with the business. It be happens. Because he wasn't getting put over. It was all about the guys that he was teaching were the ones that were going over and doing things. And he realized that he was probably never going to make it. And it's not that, and I'm, I'm telling you guys, he looked like fucking a smaller version of Cactus Jack. He wasn't, you know, as, as big as, as Cactus was, he wasn't as heavy. But he worked his ass off, and he, he helped a lot of people learn how to wrestle. And so the time came when he finally decided, you know what? I'm done with wrestling. I don't want to do this anymore. And when he came back to Arkansas, I was still there. And we talked about it, and he told me he had lost his heart for it. And now that he knew how the business had worked, he didn't want to be in it. And see, a similar story with me, I had learned shortly thereafter how the business worked because I was trained by a local wrestler in the Arkansas area. You've heard me talk about him before. He went under the gimmick The Mad Chef and was a pretty big name in Arkansas. Now, he wasn't a world champion, so I wasn't trained by the best of the best. His interviews were... Actually, no, he had the fake French accent. 
Are you still there, Trey? The fake French accent. Oh, well, she. Oh, I'm going to kick your ass tonight, yeah. So, like, he would he would literally wrestle in a chef outfit. He'd have a chef hat. He'd come down to the ring with a mixing bowl full of flour that he would throw in people's faces. And for a guy that was uh, about 6'3", he weighed about 310 pounds. And I remember the first time he ever took me and started teaching me the basics. He body slammed me and told me to stay down. He runs to the rope. And I see this big 310-pound guy come down on me with a fucking leg drop. And I was like, wow, that's a leg drop. And I spent about six, seven, eight months training with him before I ever had a match. And I learned a lot of things. And after I learned about how the business was, it didn't, it didn't destroy my love for the business. It made me enjoy it all that much more. Because when I watch a wrestling match, not only am I watching to see what's going on, but I watch to see the guys, what they're doing. I really pay attention to the spots that they're doing. And a lot of times we're like, oh, they're calling it in the ring right there. Or, oh, he just screwed that up. To me, it really changed the way that I viewed professional wrestling. Shortly thereafter, I had a match or two, and I sucked. <laughs> I'll be real honest, people. I was not a good wrestler. Well, you got more training than I got. So, I told, tuck your chin, make sure your feet are flat. Keep the back of your head up off the mat and uh, try to put a hand up in front of the chair shot. If not, it's going to hurt. Now, the guy that trained me, I've told you he wrestled as the mad chef. His name was Lynn Johnson. And he was trained by a guy named Porter back when he was just out of high school, back in the, the early, early 90s. And I don't know Porter's last name. I never really got into that. But I wasn't very good in the ring. I had a hardcore match with somebody one time, and I got concussed because... <laughs> In the midst of this hardcore match, I let the guy bust my ass right upside the top of the head with a fucking stop sign. And I didn't get my hand up in time. And the way, <laughs> the way that he came down, he literally took both hands and had it on either side of the stop sign, came straight down and put all of his weight into that strike. And I literally remember waking up about a minute later in a figure four leg lock not realizing what the fuck had happened. I had my eyes glazed over. And when that stop sign hit me upside the head, like it made such a, a loud thud, you could probably hear it a couple blocks down. I mean, it was loud, dude. I, I, it felt like my skull had been busted open. And I was literally legit knocked out for about a minute. And so that's my first and only concussion in the professional wrestling business. Now, it was my fault for what happened, and I accept that. Shortly thereafter, the guy that trained me, Lynn, was involved in a local promotion called CCW. It was called Capital City Wrestling. And he had a business investor, and it was him and two other guys that were kind of the co-owners of this thing. And they ran a couple shows uh, in certain places around Arkansas. And he came to me and he said, look, I know you don't want to do the wrestling thing. Because at the time, my first wife really didn't want me doing it anyway. And so I kind of backed away from it. I would still go to training sessions. Just, you know, I like to take bumps every once in a while. I still bump really well. He came to me and he said, hey, man, I know that you still want to be involved in this. So why don't we, why don't we make you the ring announcer? Because I think you can pull it off. And so in 2000, I became a ring announcer. And I did that for a little while. And I had a good time with it. And then I managed, I actually managed him 
when he started wrestling again with CCW, and I was his heel manager. And we did that for a little bit, and that was fun. Then, of course, I moved to Oklahoma and did stuff with Universal Championship Wrestling where I was doing play-by-play, and I was doing ring announcing. You, you actually came to one of those shows. Yeah, actually, yeah, I did some ring announcing with you. You did. And I remember you and I did color commentary, and we actually let JSK do the, the ring announcing for that one show, which was really cool. I was really glad yep. that we were able to allow him to do that because I know it meant a lot to him. And, you know, when I moved here to, to Calgary in 2006, I got involved with Stampede. And I was doing uh, internet DVDs for Stampede Wrestling along with Tim Stein of WTR, who at one point in time was my business partner. And we did that. And th- I'm sure those are still floating around on YouTube where you can hear me doing the commentary with Tim. And somebody asked earlier if there's any footage of me on, online. Well, there is of me cutting a promo on my Facebook when I was managing Chris Steele, the North American champion. It's on my Facebook under my videos. The bottom line here, and I know I went off on a tangent, giving you a, a long history lesson of you know, my life that most of you probably don't give a shit about, is that I learned things about the business in that time. I learned how it worked. Am I an insider? By no means, no. Am I one of the boys? Well, not technically. And the reason wrestling is such a big deal to me is because it's about good versus evil. And I understand that. And that's the way it's always been. Unless it's good versus good, which makes no sense sometimes. Or evil versus evil. I hate when you get or a evil double versus evil. I hate when you get a double heel match. It's fucking ridiculous. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. With Sheamus winning the King of the Ring, what does he get out of this? I mean, usually in years past, when you won the King of the Ring tournament, you got a title shot. I mean, they started he got, that he got, with he got a pretty cape and a crown. Yeah. But Mabel was the first one to actually get his title shot against Diesel. Then they followed it up, I think, with Austin and then Triple H. You know, when you win the King of the Ring, you usually get something out of it other than just being the King of the Ring. So if, in fact, he does get a title match at, say, the Royal Rumble, which makes complete sense. It's the Royal Rumble. He's the King of the Ring. So are we going to have a double heel dynamic with Sheamus and The Miz? See what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't know where they're going with this. Unless The Miz drops the belt to Randy Orton at TLC, because I'm sure he's getting a rematch. And then you have Sheamus and, and Orton at Rumble. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to do this. I, I just, I, I'm really not a fan of having face versus face and heel versus heel. So we'll see where they go with it. They obviously have something in the works. But that is my tirade. That is my... I was, I was clapping for you for story time. That was my JJ Sexay story time. doesn't happen very often. I hope that you were slightly enthralled or at least interested in how JJ Sexay came up in the world. And the reason I'm JJ Sexay, believe it or not, here's, here's the funny story to this. <laughs> when I trained in 98, people, there wasn't an AJ Styles running around. He had just, I guess it was, what, 99, 2000, AJ Styles came into prominence in WCW where he signed the contract and was doing the, the stupid tag team gimmick with Air Paris where they're called Air Raid. When I was developing my character, and I was kind of a fat ass back then, I was like 270 pounds, um, wasn't in the greatest shape of my life at that point. So I kind of took to guys like Mick Foley because, again, I, I wasn't... Uh, 
I wasn't someone that was in great shape. My original name, I shit you not, and this predates AJ Styles, was JJ Styles. That was my gimmick. That was the name that I wanted to use. And then, of course, I saw that AJ was using it as AJ Styles, and I thought that's just too close to the mark of somebody working there. So then I kind of looked over, and I was a big fan of Brian Christopher at the time, too. I, I, in fact, I actually took what Miz calls the skull-crushing finale, and my finisher was a full Nelson face buster, only I actually applied the full Nelson before I did the face buster. So I had you in the hold, shaking you back and forth, and then about 30 seconds into it, I would drop you with the face buster. But I had to change my gimmick to JJ Sexay, and I was supposed to be kind of like Mick Foley in the fact that I wanted to be somebody that I wasn't. And that's where the whole JJ Sexay moniker came from. And that's why I still use it to this day. Because it just kind of stuck. And it worked out perfect. It did. For those of you who didn't know, it's just a play on my name. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Story time with JJ. The origin of the name. That's right. <sighs> but let's get back to the emails. Again, sorry guys if I bored you to death. If the numbers right. dropped, we know why. It was because JJ did story time. So uh, We do have an email from one of our faithful members of the WNL family from Mr. T.M. Bronx entitled The Long Road to Awesomeness. So we wake up Tuesday morning and The Miz is our new WWE champion. Hoorah. First of all, I, if I had a buzzer, I would ding you for that. Hoorah. Damn you. Damn you. Bronx. How dare you even bring that up? It's amazing to see how the fence, how on the fence, the IWC and the WNL family are on this. I, for one, think Miz has been working harder than anyone else on his character development, his in-ring skills. He's done everything the company has asked him to do. No doubt the sales of SmackDown vs. Raw 2011 will be positively influenced by The Miz and all the promotional work he has done for the game. I am terrified for what I'm about to do. I'm going to call Trey out on some things he said on WNL the other day. Oh, why not? <laughs> Trey made a comparison between Miz and Chris Benoit. He said that he would be scared if Benoit were looking to kick his ass, but he would tell the Miz to bring it on. I usually don't like to speak ill of the dead, but Benoit is someone who deserves any negativity thrown his way. Besides, at the basement levels of hell he's burning in, he won't hear me. If anyone believes that Benoit wasn't taking enough steroids to make Pee Wee Herman the size of the big show is out of their minds. I've read the books, seen the interviews, look at Benoit when he started, and take a gander at him in WCW or the WWF. Benoit naturally would have probably only weighed between 180 to 200 if he wasn't juicing. He would have been, a, he would have been smaller than The Miz. I'm sorry, Trey, but that comparison was totally invalid. Just my opinion, and luckily, being a part of this family, I'm allowed to have one without being told to burn in hell. It burn in hell! <laughs> it amazes me that this excludes Trey, he was just giving his opinion how everyone complains when the WWE is bland and stale, which they gave certainly, or which they have certainly been guilty of, excuse me, yet still complain when they throw a great swerve our way. The November 22nd Raw was, without a doubt, an A-. Almost everything was done right with the awesome promo John Cena cut to him screwing Wade Barrett out of the title, 
The Miz coming out and cashing in. Who the hell would have thought the awesome one would have done it that night? The only reason I don't give Raw an A is because it's better than the pay-per-view, which it shouldn't be. But they gave us a title change on free TV, something you don't see very often nowadays. Very good point, Bronx. Uh, They don't show a lot of title changes on TV. But when they do, I kind of feel like it's to get you to watch the show because it's unpredictable and anything can and usually does happen in the WWE. So I'll agree with Bronx there. Um, Here's the problem with everyone our age, and by our age, I mean myself, JJ, and Trey. Perhaps I love WNL so much because the hosts are in my age group. And we can all relate. We grew up in the era of the Superman. When we look, when we were young, all the world champions were jacked to the fucking moon. Look at Hogan and Warrior, just to name two. We grew accustomed to seeing our world champs larger than life. Then Vince went to court. After that, in order to give the perception that he was doing something about the steroid problem, he elevated guys like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Mark my words, if they legalized steroids tomorrow, The Miz would lose the title the same day, and we'd have the Supermen again. <coughs> Once again, Bronx is making a very valid point. Just look at 2007. The landscape changed. Who, who was pushed as a world champion? <coughs> CM Punk was pushed as world champion on the ECW brand. Why? Because he had a good work ethic and he was straight edge. So point taken there. Trey said The Miz doesn't carry himself like Shawn Michaels and isn't a man's man. In my opinion, Miz reminds me of a young Shawn Michaels. Not as flashy, but a cocky, loudmouth scumbag. Certainly not as good a wrestler, but he's getting there. In closing, give a hardworking, dedicated motherfucker like The Miz some props. I don't think he'll have the title for too long, but let him enjoy it. Everyone knows title changes are predetermined, but look at The Miz's face when he was handed the belt. Shows me that it really did mean a lot to him and justified all his hard work. You go, brother. Have a nice Thanksgiving and happy birthday to the CEO, president, chairman, MVP, manager, and host with the most on the SNS Radio Network, JJ. You have to believe me. Why? Because I'm the Bronx and I'm awesome. Okay. Bronxy, Bronxy, Bronxy. All right, let me let me read one now to you. This backs up my play. Couldn't have said it better myself. From my friend in Springfield, Missouri, the Hunjo. The Miz is awesome. Really? Really? All right, enough of that. Before I get to the main reason for my message from the archive, I wanted to say thanks for the great ta- thanks for the great taboo turkey day. I spent the day after listening to the archive while I replaced the power steering hose and winterized my vehicles. It made the greasy task more enjoyable. I hope there are plans for a Christmas craptacular this season. I enjoy. I agreed with most of the choices for who would be big in five years, but I'd like to add one name, Kid Anderson. All right, he goes on to explain why, but that doesn't pertain to why I'm reading this, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. Okay, guess it's time to stick my neck out. All week long, I've been th- thinking, trying to think of a way to express my thoughts on The Miz cashing in Money in the Bank and becoming champion. I popped when he came to the ring and cashed it in, but not because I was marking out for The Miz. I jumped to my feet because I thought somebody was finally going to cash in and lose. It was perfect, or should have been, if the brain trust at the Fed had the balls to pull the trigger. 
As William Faulkner once said, writers need to kill their little darlings. To me, that means the reader, and in this case, the wrestling fan, should be kept guessing. By never allowing the Money in the Bank winner to cash in and lose, that potential for drama and a pop from the fans is gone. At this point, there's no reason to watch someone cash in as a result as a foregone conclusion. At this point, why not just give the winner a belt instead of the damn briefcase? As we all know, the Miz won whoopee. I was not a fan of Mike Mazan from the start, but I'll give him credit. He has worked his ass off. He, he is shilling for the company at non-wrestling events. He's gotten better on the mic and has become a marginally acceptable worker in the ring. But it's too early. I'm not saying he should never be the champion. I'm just not sold on it right now. Yes, he's carried tag team title gold several times. Good for him. Here's a cookie. Sure, he's had a lengthy U.S. run, but how many times did he defend that title? Did he have a long program with someone chasing the title while he carried it? Not in my humble opinion. He spent more time trying to get his tag title run over with the Big Show instead of defending the U.S. title. It's not his lack of size that keeps me from believing him as a champ. It's the fact that until he cashed it in, he's not had a program nor beaten the main eventer on his path to the title. He lost his U.S. title to a supposed rookie in Daniel Bryan. The one program he had against the main event player, Cena, was short and buried in short order. If the Fed wants me to buy into him as a credible champion, they need to do a better job of building him up. Have him go over former champions, even if in a fluke. Give him a lengthy run as a mid-card title holder and make him defend against former WWE champions. But that's just me, and I wasn't asked. Just thought I'd get my own two cents for, the, for it anyway. Catch you on the archive. Hunjo. He makes some good points. I'm not saying he doesn't. But in today's WWE, things are different. Like, And that's the thing that, that kills well, they me. They are. You're right. You're right. They are. That's the thing that kills me with all these so-called wrestling analysis out there. They want to sit there and spout out shit from the 80s about why a guy should punch like this and why a guy should kick like this. Every guy that's on the roster, whether it's whether it's Raw, whether it's SmackDown, whether it was ECW, they're there for a reason, and they all went through the same developmental camp. Every guy on that roster went through FCW or Ohio Valley Wrestling, and they were taught the way, whether they knew how to wrestle before that or not. Daniel Bryan is a prime example. Bryan Danielson went to FCW and was taught how to wrestle the WWE style. So when people sit there and throw, oh, well, he doesn't wrestle like he should, they are wrestling the style that they are taught, people. They are doing exactly what Vince and his trainers want them to do. So if people are going to bitch that they're not working the way that they should, then you need to bitch at Vince McMahon because he's the one that's made changes to his product. Every person on that roster wrestles a style that they were taught in FCW or any developmental for the WWE. They are wrestling their style to the letter. So that argument, I just don't understand why people bitch about that today. I, I don't. You can't compare Shawn Michaels to The Miz as far as his championship runs are concerned. Shawn Michaels comes from a different era. And those intercontinental championships that he held meant more back then than they do now. And to be honest with you, go back and listen to the archive. I didn't compare The Miz to any of those guys. 
people were comparing them to the, the other the listeners were comparing him to them, not me. Well, I compared size wise that they're pretty much the same size. Shawn Michaels on his best day probably weighed about two twenty five. Well, just like you know, the Miz is in the program and on the website at what two thirty. Yeah, probably. I think he's two thirty one, and I, I think that's pretty close to the mark. I would. Uh, I'll, I, I'm willing to uh, bet he weighs. I'll probably, suck. A, I'll suck a fat girl in the butt in the middle of Main Street if he's at two ten. How are you going to prove this? That's the problem with that. Well, you won't. That's the thing. But everybody goes up on their weight. Be it high school football programs, be it wrestling programs in college, be it or maybe not wrestling because they try to lose weight, but. Uh, Pro wrestling, all that shit. Everybody lies about their size and stature. They, they just do. When you go to create a character on SmackDown versus Raw, do you actually make him, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, no. Everybody exaggerates. Well, I, I hear you. I, I try to stick with my height. My weight's a different story. You know, you look at my character in the EFED, I'm pretty ripped. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Same with right, now, right, right now I weigh 235. I weighed this morning at my brother's house. That's 30 pounds heavier than I want to be. Right. You know, but in my high school football program, I was about 40, I was about 30 or 40 pounds heavier than I really was. I think an inch or two taller. Right. No, I, I can understand that. You but know, I would say he's probably closer to 230 than you think. I'd say he's closer to 200 than he is to 230. Mm, see, I disagree. I would say probably two fifteen to two twenty, if anything. Because I, how how tall is the Miz? Oh, well, see, I don't know that offhand. I would, I would say, say he's probably about five ten, five eleven. Okay, I'm five ten. I'm five ten, two thirty, or what? Two thirty five. I think it was what I said. Two thirty five, and my arms and my chest are still big, but I can tell where I've gained weight in the face, in the neck. And around my stomach, especially fucking Thanksgiving. I can tell how if I lost in certain areas, if I lost that weight and it wasn't turned into muscle, if I just lost that weight, I'd be closer to the weight that I that I should be, which is about 210. 200, 210. Right, right. I understand that. And to look at him and see that he's in shape, but not ripped tells me he's about 210 especially if he's 510 which is my height well and i i don't know offhand what his height is for all i know he could be six foot i don't know yeah if he's six foot then that may be a little different well like i said i i'm I'm not going to sit here and say that i have the stats but i would say if they have him listed around 230 i would say he probably weighs somewhere similar to that because i would think looking at him, that he would weigh that. Muscle weighs more than fat. He's I, mean, not... I understand that, but I'm going to tell you right now, as somebody who's worked in that department, not for the WWE, but in other areas, worked in media relations, I can tell you right now, whatever he is in real life, he's an inch taller and 30 pounds heavier in the program. Guarantee it. No, you're probably Guarantee right. Guarantee it. Well, you're probably right. Uh, let's get back to some of these emails before we wrap the show, because we're going pretty long tonight. We're almost three hours tonight, and apparently so is Wrestling News Live. Uh, this next one comes to us from our fucking foreign kid, who apparently says that Shoutcast is on strike, uh, so he's going to result to using the emails. I think Sheamus winning the King of the Ring is very smart, as it puts him back up the ladder of contendership and gets him out of his feud with Jomo slash Santino. 
Since losing the WWE belt, Sheamus has been floating around with nothing, so I expect him to challenge for the belt with Triple H returning to screw him out of the title. That's pretty good booking prowess there, Crelly, for a fantasy book. Um, cheap plug for Friday's Unplugged as myself and uh, JJ Sexay interview former WWE ECW ring announcer Lauren Mayhew live. So, yes, those of you that didn't know, Unplugged returns this week after a one-week hiatus for my birthday last week. And uh, we will be having an interview with former WWE announcer Lauren Mayhew from the ECW brand. So definitely tune in to check that out this week on Unplugged. And we have a few more that I want to get to. I, I don't want to be one of those shows that looks at the email boxes. Oh, you know, we'll get to these next week. I, I don't want to do that. I want to get through these emails because you, the WNL family, have sent us these emails. And by God, I want to get to them. That's right. If you take the time to time them out, we'll take the time to read them. Absolutely. All right. Let's go back to the emails. Courtesy of uh, Blackheart sent me one. But I've got no text to it. There's no, there's absolutely nothing in the email. All right, so apparently there isn't, it even says this message has no content. So don't know what happened there, Blackheart, but uh, wow. Um, okay, this next one comes to us from our good friend DJ. It's entitled The Miz. It was another great Raw. The WWE is just throwing out the best they can. All we need to think about. Uh, is the heavy competition such as Monday Night Football and anything NBC, Fox, ABC is showing uh, once football is over, does the does the good Raw end? Do we lose these fantastic shows? Are we going back to the crappy 600th Raw episode? God, I hope not. Miz is an awesome heel. He talks shit, makes little girls do pissed off faces we saw during the four times they kept reminding us the Miz is your champ. Orton taking a break but I don't see him going heel anytime soon. Maybe another John Cena moneymaker. The Miz will remain champ for the next year. He will not lose it at Mania. Yeah, I've said it. He's not losing it. Maurice will eventually join him, and the new talent will be facing the Miz for the belt. Now, this reminds me a ton of how UFC is booking Brock Lesnar. The second fight he had with Frank Mir beats the shit out of him, then flipped off the crowd. He became that heel that everybody hated. They thought the pay-per-views... They bought the pay-per-views to see him drop the belt. That's a very true statement. Did WWE follow that course? I believe they did. I'm still a fan. I've been watching for the past 17 years. Stone Cold was my favorite wrestler, and I hated The Rock till he turned into a son of a bitch heel. He was freaking awesome for the short term. It was also, I also enjoy wrestling because the divas are freaking hot. Not and no, not Mae Young. I'll back you there. Mae Young's not hot. I was also a huge fan of Eddie Guerrero because he was from El Paso, Texas. He did a ton of WCW, or he did a ton in WCW. Thus, I watched that in his run to the WWF uh, when he won the title. That made me proud being from El Paso. He's probably the one and only person from here who will win it from here on out. Viva La Raza. Do any of you remember that show called Secrets of Wrestling? That made me want to hear what the wrestlers are telling each other when the match is going on. And I remember watching Beyond the Mat, where they call the spots and Mick Foley's kids are crying because he took 22 chair shots. That's why I enjoy wrestling. You escape reality and enjoy it for what it is, entertainment. Yes, I do remember Secrets of Wrestling. I remember that was in the stage, I believe that came out in 97 or 98, around the time I was training to wrestle. And I remember that show because I was looking at my, my trainer, Lynn, 
and he's like, I cannot believe they're doing this. And you could very clearly see a lot of those guys, like uh, Gary Wolf of the Pitbulls was one of the, the characters on there. Uh, I believe X-Pac had been blacked out where you couldn't see his face. The one that was the most obvious, though, of all the people that they blacked out in disguised voices was fucking Harley Race. Him sitting there in that fucking blacked out room, and you saw the imprint of his fucking hair, and he was fat. I was like, oh, that is so Harley Race. And a lot of people got blackballed from that thing because it's a lot of uh, a lot of secrets to the business. But they exposed a lot of like stuff from the 70s and stuff with having like shills in the crowd and uh, using like the uh, broken trophies that had already been cut, pre-cut tables and stuff. So, yeah, but that was a funny show. I, I, I think I have that on tape somewhere. I, I love going back and watching it every so often because it's so funny. I don't remember that at all. Oh, you've got to look that up. Secrets of Wrestling. It's I got will. it's up. got guys. You remember how they used to have the secrets of magic with the the masked magician? Right, the masked magician. Yeah, it was exactly like that. But you had like I don't know six or seven, eight wrestlers that they huh. had in gimmicks, um, like Skullduggery and fucking Slither. It was a masked guy with with a snake gimmick, and they were all professional wrestlers who had either uh, were working in ECW or had been blackballed by professional wrestling. And they went and did this fucking thing for like NBC, where they were gonna like. Reveal how wrestling was done. Yeah, you got to check I'm, that shit out. It's great. I'm all over that. <laughs> oh, that was a good show. I, I totally enjoyed that shit. Ah, thank you for WNL Classics. This one comes to us from The Anarchist. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you guys and Ty for adding the WNL Classics section to WrestlingNewsLive.tk. I've been laughing my ass off listening to some classic episodes. It's been great going <laughs> back and reliving history, uh, some of the great moments in WNL. And I'm sending you this before Raw. Sadly, as I start my new job tomorrow, I can't watch Raw live or listen to you guys live. But I, uh. am, but I am taking Big Zeke for the King of the Ring. I hope I haven't embarrassed myself with that pick. Yes, you You're have. You're embarrassed. You are so embarrassed. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. The Anarchist. Well, thank you for listening, dude. No matter how you listen, you're still a part of the family. Okay, here we go. I, I think I've got black hearts right here. Perfect. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I wrote this on Trey's Facebook pic of that girl. I got to tell you, Trey, I'm okay with TNA not going all gung-ho, but uh, you were dead on the money about Miz. The man do- doesn't have a look as a champ or the mic of a champ. Benoit, HBK, and the same guys dominated, paid their dues for years, and dominated the mid-cards. Miz hasn't dominated a damn thing. Also, before HBK and Benoit, and even Ray... I know you're not a fan, became world champs. They had their five-star matches and showed their abilities and proved they are worthy before they held the world gold. I understand these are different times, but yet it's exactly the same problem. There's nothing wrong with the same old school ideas. Slapping titles on guys who haven't been in the biz long enough is a slap in the face to those who are paying their dues and deserve a world title. Sheamus getting a world title reign so early in his career is stupid. Because now, where do you go with him? There's nowhere to go but down. He's in limbo. And the creative struggles with everyone for him because they rushed him. HBK and Brett were very good in their mid-card matches with their opponents. And had the fans developed a relationship with them, which made them appreciate them more uh, when they did get that world title. I respected Edge, RVD, Benoit, Owen, Brett, Sean, Henning, etc. as IC champions. A long mid-card title reign builds credibility. Sometimes a good mid-carder doesn't have the look of a champ. But you take a chance like TNA did with Christian. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. 
The idea is to make what the fans want them to get the world title rub or afraid if he's a heel of getting it. If the fan is indifferent, then the guy is not ready. I didn't want I didn't wait till Benoit got his chance, but um I didn't wait till Benoit got his chance, but the getting close but no cigar over and over again made you more excited for him when he got it. And hell no, Goldberg ain't deserving shit, but neither does the Miz. And that one comes to us from real Blackheart. Now, you make some points, Blackheart, but you gotta remember, and you even said this, the times they are a different. This there's not a territorial system. Shawn sure. Michaels got into this business when he was nineteen years old or younger. And trained under Jose Lothario. And then made his rounds around Texas. He went to the AWA. He went to the WWF. Back to the AWA. And then he came back in. We're talking late 80s. Things are different now. And I, that's, what, that's what I don't understand with you guys. You cannot compare the territories to today. Everything has changed. Now guys do a lot more crazy shit in the ring than they used to. You know, it's it's not unheard of for a guy like Piper to still be wrestling. But can you really say that with the current crop, with all the shit that they go through? I mean, Edge is going to retire a young man. I think Edge is about a year away from retiring from the biz. Yeah, he might. And he's young enough that he's taken all his bumps and bruises, and he's made a ton of money. you got to look at the money situation, too. I understand the hard work ethic. There are so many guys that were deserving back in the day that never got it. Guys like a Fit Finley, who should have been a world champion. Roddy Piper. Guys like Roddy Piper, who the only thing he ever won was the IC belt. And he was deserving of that. So I agree with what you're saying. But you cannot compare today's product to days of old. It is absolutely different. Nothing is the same from the way that they work in the ring to, to the way that you get a push in the business. And you can thank shows like Tough Enough for that. None of these guys spent 10 years in the fucking business. Triple H is the last of that breed. It's not yep. the same. And that's what you guys have to understand. You don't have to like what I'm saying. And you can disagree with me all you want. But the reality is that wrestling has changed, folks. Oh, don't say reality. Just saying. I'm not trying to be the heel here, but seriously. And people don't have to like The Miz. Like I said, the more and more you that hate on The Miz... It justifies his push. It really does. Do I think he's going to be a long-term champion? Maybe not this first run. No. And you guys keep talking about how he's not in there with main event talent. Now that he's the champ, he's going to get that opportunity. And he's going to find a way to weasel out of the matches or weasel a win. And then you're going to bitch that oh, he's, not winning. he's not winning the right way over these champions. He's just skirting by. That's what heels do. That's what they do. They cheat to win. So I know it seems redundant. That's a big word. But that's just the way it is. That's the business. You have a certain look. You have a certain attribute. That's the business, bitch. And that's the way it works. That's just the way it is. Some things will never change. And you don't have to be Bruce Hornsby in the range to know that. But I think that's going to do it for our emails tonight. I'm pretty sure that's all that I have. That's all I have. So I want to thank all the WNL family members for chiming in with their thoughts tonight. Go buy some t-shirts and sweatshirts. Yeah. Are we getting, getting any? Paid. 
Are we getting anything out of that? Uh, depending on how much they buy. Okay. There you go. Buy bulk. <laughs> and keep sending us your from the fans email. So if you want to talk to us and let us know what you like about the show, how you started listening, how long you've been listening, whatever you want, send that to us with your picture and we'll put it on the website. That's cool. I like I like that new feature. I think Ty is doing a fantastic job with running. Oh man, Ty is doing an amazing job on the website right now. Plus the Facebook and the Twitter page. That guy is kicking serious ass. You know, that's the one thing that I love about the W the WNL slash SNS radio family is that our listeners, our family, if you will, go above and beyond to help out as much as they can. You right. know, with promoting the show, with everything else. We love you guys for it, and we do this show for you. Again, we're fans just like you. Neither one of us profess to be anything more. If anybody tells you we're different, they're full of shit. But uh, with that, we actually do have a call on the line. Let's go to the uh, Skype line. Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Hey, what's going on, JJ? It's Charles. Hey, buddy. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up? Uh, not much, man. Great show tonight. I've enjoyed listening to it over the past what, three hours now. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that we were able to dominate three hours of people's time tonight. <laughs> Hijack would be the word I would go with. But okay. Hijack, yes. As we're encroaching on about three hours and 30 minutes. So, there you go. We, we're all went over time, so did we. Uh, it's been good, though. Well, thanks, man. So, so what what's on your mind? Well, I wanted to, like, I talked to you about it, and I want to remind uh, the listeners of Wrestling News Live, because I want to see somebody that is awesome at doing this, win this. And that's the contest that we're doing at Calls to have your creative wrestler turned into an action figure by Mattel. And I see a lot of people talking about the SmackDown game tonight, and I really want to see someone awesome win this contest. Uh, so, yeah, just check out Calls and enter this contest because, like I said, I want to see someone with a really good call win this. But I can't say what Calls by WS is going to be giving away for our prizes, for our well, I told JJ what they are, but we can't say what they are, but they're going to be pretty awesome prizes. And like I said, the main part is I want to see someone with an awesome-looking call win and actually have their call turned into an action figure. It has to be an original call. You can't make Hulk Hogan, obviously, or something like that. But, yeah, I want to see someone do that. Yeah, you know, I'm actually thinking about dipping my uh, my feet into the water there and seeing what I can come up with. Of course, I could probably use any number of characters from the from the SCW EFED. There's some great ones like Santa Loco. I mean, with all those original calls that people have in your e-fed and stuff, man, I mean, some of those have a good chance of winning this. Yeah, I may just start submitting a whole bunch of them then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just put the whole e-fed in there from trade for to me to Santa Loco, uh, even to newbies like Concept. I'll just I'll just start putting everybody's shit in there. Fuck it. Let's dilute the waters. And definitely, guys, if you're not uh, familiar with Cause.ws. Check it out. For those of you who don't know, Charles and I, every once in a while, uh, it was pretty frequent there when before SmackDown versus Raw came out, and I look for things to ramp up at the first of the year since uh, we're going to be doing a lot of coverage for WWE All-Stars. The CauseCast will be returning uh, sometime the first of the year, 2011, right here on the SNS Radio Network, SundayNightShowdown.com, and, of course, at uh, Cause.ws as we simulcast both shows uh, on both respective websites. So... Charles Shane is one of my uh, one of my favorite co-hosts in professional wrestling radio and, and video games. So uh, definitely check out the site, guys. 
Back to, like, I want to talk a little bit about Raw tonight. Obviously, you guys talk about it a lot, but am I the only one not surprised that Triple H didn't come back tonight? Uh, you know, I keep waiting for that, too. I know Trey is, is sitting on the edge of his seat waiting, you know, biting his nails. Uh, like I said, he's advertised for December 20th. So it could be just a matter of a week or two before we start seeing uh, the game back on Monday Night Raw. Now that Sheamus is the king of the ring, I'd almost, I'd almost say next Monday night we're going to see Triple H return. Well, and like I said, man, tonight wasn't about Triple H. Tonight was about Sheamus. And if Triple H would have come out tonight in any form or any fashion, it would have taken away from the night that was supposed to be Sheamus's, and the entire internet would have gone ape shit crazy. There's Triple H again, stealing somebody's fucking thunder. Oh, my God. So it was best that he stayed behind the curtain tonight. See, I really thought last week when they started the whole King of the Ring thing, I was like, oh, man. And once I seen Sheamus was in the tournament, I was like, well, this is for sure setting up him in Triple H because he's going to win this. And then tonight on Raw, when Ted DiBiase was backstage messing with the freaking Mattel belt, and the only theme he played was Triple H's theme, I was like, oh, crap, man, maybe that's like a hint he is coming back tonight. So they had me there. And when Sheamus cut his promo after he won, and he actually said, behold the king, I thought that would be the perfect time for Triple H's music to come on. And when he said, Behold the King, Triple H's music comes on and says, The King of Kings, and that he comes out. I thought that would have been perfect setup. But it didn't happen. It, it would have been. But again, like Trey said, I think it would have uh, it would have interfered with the fact that tonight was Sheamus's night. I, you know, and, and maybe that's the whole point of... Maybe that's the whole point of bringing the King of the Ring back is to facilitate... The return. <laughs> I'm speaking with the big words tonight. I'm trying to be so cerebral. In honor of the cerebral oh, assassin. I'll be right back. I'm going to get my dictionary. There you go. Uh, it could facilitate, if you will, the, yeah, you will, the return of Triple H. I mean, let's face it. The King of Ring is not a valued commodity uh, to the WWE. They bring it back for certain reasons. They did this similarly back in 2007. It wasn't too long after Booker won the King of the Ring, that, what was it, a year later, he was basically jobbing out the Triple H upon his return. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem far-fetched to think that uh, that's going to happen again with Sheamus. I, I really think that's what's going to facilitate the feud and the return of Triple H. At least with Booker, he actually took it and ran with it. Unlike, I mean, that was the last time Regal. I mean, that was a brutal push. That was. Well, and, and you know what? The thing about Regal that really sets him apart was that they gave him the push, and then he fucking got suspended on a wellness violation right after he won King of the Ring. That was the, that was the clincher with Regal. And I think that left Pretty a black much, eye. Yeah. I think that left a black eye with the whole King of the Ring thing, given the fact they gave it to Regal, and then he you know, had the, the drug issue. So that might have had something to do yeah, with I it. I agree with you. King of the Ring, like you said earlier in the show, King of the Ring should, I, in my opinion, instead of all these money-in-the-bank pay-per-views, the TLC pay-per-view is all that crap. They should have King of the Ring as a pay-per-view again. I agree. It would be nice to have a, a, a one-night tournament and have two two or three title matches. I mean, you could have, obviously, the World Heavyweight Champion, respectively, and the WWE Championship match, respectively. And the rest of the card is nothing but, you know, 
King of the Ring matches. And I wanted to go back to the you wrestle three times in one night to be the King of the Ring. I think that would be a great concept. these match-type pay-per-views anyways because then it's like, well, whatever, you have a Hell in a Cell somewhere else and it's not in the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I mean, doesn't that just totally take everything out of context? And it's like, why even have the pay-per-view name that? Yeah. It's it, a TLC. Like, never in TLC pay-per-view, but they had a TLC match tonight. Yeah, I was I was disappointed with that. It's like you're going to have a TLC match tonight, and then you're going to have a pay per view next month called TLC. I, I that to me is rather bothers, bothersome. I think it's ridiculous. Why have specialty pay per views if you're going to use those gimmicks outside of that? It just doesn't make any sense. So are they now going ahead with that? Now that they have the money in the bank pay per view, they're not having the money bank at WrestleMania anymore, are they? Uh, I don't think so, but we're going to see. I mean, who knows? At last minute, they could decide, oh, we're going to have a Money in the Bank match. And then they'll have them. Yeah, because they'll, they'll, I heard, too, that no yeah. one knows really yet. Then, then they'll cash in. Well, Vince is second-guessing a lot of stuff right now. Like, I know the creative has been stressed out with him for a while because he changes his mind on the fly. That's why I'm looking forward to when Trips and Stephanie take over. Me, too. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe uh, them taking over and... You know, doing their thing or whatever. Maybe that'll be, you know, breathe new life into the company again. I, I think it will. Like I said, I'm liking the youth movement they've got right now. There's just there's a couple guys that I want to see elevated a little bit, and I know that everybody fucking hates yeah, when I mention. That's, that's why you leave Triple H out of tonight's show because it was all about young talent. Look at the Miz. Look at Sheamus. Exactly, exactly. And that's again, youth movement. They're really doing it well. A lot of people are bitching because of the transition, but it is what it is. And I think they're doing yeah, a great job. I don't get about a lot of people is when, like, when they start pushing the young talent. Like for the longest time, it was all oh, man WWE never pushes the young talent. Always sees the Undertaker, Triple A, Shawn Michaels. Always sees these old guys. And then, I mean, that's what TNA was getting flagged for and stuff when they brought all the old guys in from other companies and from the past. But now WWE is actually pushing all of this old talent, like ridiculously pushing all this, or not old talent, but young talent, like crazy young talent getting pushed like every week now. I mean. Like I said before, a year ago, who would have thought that the guys that we would be watching on TV right now would be people like The Miz and all the Nexus people and things like that? I mean, I would never have thought a year ago these would be the guys to be watching. Oh, I know. I, I'm with you. If you'd have told me a year ago Miz would be the champion, that uh, that uh, the Nexus would be running around, uh, I would have been like, you're out of your fucking mind. That the Nexus would be the I, ones to get rid of John Cena. I'd be like, what? No. No way. Like, when I went down to FCW for, I think it was the SmackDown vs. Raw 2009 review event, and I seen guys down there that are in Nexus, like, uh, or were also in Nexus, not anymore, like, uh, friggin' Wade Barrett was down there, I believe, Sheamus was their champion down there, Tarver, all them guys were down there. And I would never thought these would be the guys that watch on TV right now and they'd have these big roles on television. I know it's it's crazy, and like I said, they're they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, they really haven't had a a period like this since I'd say the early '90s. You go back to like '94. You said period. I did say period. Hopefully, I didn't offend any women oh, out there. Um, anyway, like I said, they really had the last time they had a period going through like this would have been like say the early '90s, like '94. Really, I, I guess you could start '93 after the exit of Hogan, and you had a lot of older talent yeah. leave the company, and they focused on this new generation where guys like Razor and Michaels and uh, even Diesel, you know, came in and became like the new generation. Like we're literally seeing that once again. Even through the Attitude Era, they were bringing up new stars, 
and they still had you know roster talent too uh, that were that were you know older talent. So it worked out better. But I mean, really, with all the absence of all the guys like you know Taker and Michaels and Triple H, they've really had to transition hard. And a lot of people stopped watching the product because they couldn't relate to the characters on TV. There's no Triple H anymore. There's no Shawn Michaels. You know, where's the Undertaker? You know, a lot of people that. Yep. Many, many recognize still would be Kane, and he had a, a fantastic job as world champion this year. So, I mean, a lot can be said in that, and it's, you know, I think that they're doing a positive change, and I look forward to the future of this product. I think they have cemented their legacy with the guys they're elevating. Sheamus is going to be a longtime main eventer for years to come. I'd say within a couple years he probably will be faced. I think The Miz is going to be a solid main event talent. Um Alberto Del Rio is another one. Cena is still going to be in the mix for a long time. So you're looking at a new crop of stars that are going to be probably in this sport or in this business. I shouldn't say sport. People get all up in arms. Um, that are going to be in this business for years to come. And they're not going to have to go through another transition uh, like this. Hopefully if they play their cards right and keep building people the way they're doing right now. I will say also, like, back when old school wrestling, you know, back in the days of Bret Hart and everybody, I mean, think about the way they wrestled back then compared to the way they were in the Attitude Era where everybody, they were using weapons all the time and you had the ECW stuff going on. And just like old wrestlers of the past said, I mean, the reason all of us guys are around and still around and been around for so long is because these guys, the way they're wrestling now, are beating their bodies up real fast. And they're back to wrestling the way they used to wrestle back in the old days, where they're not using weapons of all the time, which means these guys are going to have longer careers. And you're going to see them around a lot longer because their bodies are going to get beat up as fast as they did when you had the whole ECW and Attitude Era and stuff like that going on. I would, I would agree. Am I the only one that notices, like, Darren Young <laughs> just in these random roles? Oh, boy. Gobbles has invaded the studio again. Trey, put that fucking turkey Gobbles. away. I was just wanted to say, am I the only one that notices that every once in a while they throw Derek Young in the background of a scene on Raw? <laughs> yeah, I noticed, I noticed that tonight, too. I thought, wow, what a lucky dude. You're not getting your ass whipped by Cena and everybody else. You know what? <laughs> no, he's just in the background somewhere. <laughs> I, he's like in the background going, I'm one of you, motherfuckers. I'm one of you. I almost want to see. You know what I'd like to see with, with Darren Young? I would love to see. Again, I'm going to put the quotation marks up. Fantasy booking. Right here, fantasy booking. I would love to. I I better. I better. It gets mentioned a lot. Fantasy booking. I would love to see Darren Young and his former FCW tag team partner, Showtime Percy Watson, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. I would like to see them team up again and maybe go to the main roster as a tag team and feud with the Nexus. They were both on NXT. You could do something great with that team. And I think Percy deserves a, a, a main spot on the roster because I thought he did a fantastic job. He was over like Rover on NXT Season 2. And I think that, you know, being that you have one former member of the Nexus and one guy that was a part of NXT, and they're both really good workers, and they both got great babyface potential, I think that they could have a, a serious uh, feud with... Gabriel and and Slater for the uh, for the tag titles. I really do, but you know that's my fantasy booking. Am I going to be upset if they don't do it? No, but I'm just throwing it out there. 
I don't keep up with like uh, the backstage stuff and what's going on with stuff that doesn't happen on TV as much as I used to. Is like Percy Watson them guys still like what are they down at FCW again or what are all them guys doing from like NXT they brought up to the shows and stuff? Are they still there? I'm pretty sure a lot of them are still in FCW. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're because still there. I thought personally, I thought like you said, I thought Percy Watson was freaking entertaining as hell on NXT. I thought he had a great gimmick. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't made it to the roster and. Instead, we have uh, McGillicuddy and, and Harris, which I, and I'm high on Husky Harris. I really like the kid. Uh, I still like Mike McGillicuddy. I just don't want him to talk. And I wish they would change the name on but gosh. Yeah. Let's just, you know. let's. You think John Cena's going to get us? I just never understood them bringing him in under that name, but then at the same time also saying, like every week, that he's the son of Kurt Henning. Yeah, I know. It's you know, I'm I'm pretty. I to my to my knowledge, Kurt, his name actually wasn't McGillicuddy, and neither was his dad. So, I don't know. It is what it is. They they give these guys stupid names rather than give them their own names. But you know, whatever. All right, man. Is there anything else before we wrap things up? It's uh, oh, we're going on fucking time to go three and a half hours. Jesus Christ, man. Oh, not at all, guys. Great show tonight, man. All right, thanks, Charles. I will uh, talk to you soon and. Uh, I want to let everybody know, as soon as we find out the uh, the date of the DLC package that's coming out for SmackDown versus Raw 2011, we are going to do a uh, a one-off show of the CauseCast. So as soon as we find out that information, we will uh, get back to you guys and let you know. But the CauseCast will be returning soon, if for one night only, to uh, cover the release of the newest DLC for SmackDown versus Raw 2011. Charles, thanks for the call tonight, man. Uh, no problem. Yeah, that DLC, they won't announce a date for it because it's in Microsoft Sony cert. So whenever they certify it, you'll see it. Sounds good. Definitely go check out cause.ws. And, Charles, we'll talk to you later, my friend. All right, great show, guys. All right, man, thanks. Later. All right, with that said, guys, this uh, this brings Wrestling News Live to a close, our extended overtime show. I know, I thought Trey was going to fall asleep on me there a couple times. but uh, i got to get up early and go to work. I'm not going to be real happy about it. I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, we do it for the family. You got to love them. That's right, you bastards. That's right. Doing it for the family. So like I said, guys, we're going to wrap things up with um, with a tribute to Leslie Nielsen. I was looking around the web today to find something that I thought was appropriate for Leslie Nielsen, and I think I found it. I wanted to find something with clips. I did not find that, but I found a song, probably the only time you'll ever hear a song like this on Wrestling News Live as the closer but i hope you enjoy it listen to the lyrics and if it doesn't make you think about leslie nielsen then there's something wrong with you sick motherfuckers so with that said join me this week on the sns radio network friday night 10 30 eastern 8 30 mountain standard time right here on the sns radio network www.sundaynightshowdown.com and uh, we'll be running down unplugged. I have a big special tribute to our fallen hero, Swagger Soaring Eagle. The American icon is no more. Was killed by that nasty little troll, Hornswoggle. And we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be giving him a fitting tribute this Friday on Unplugged. And we have the big Lauren Mayhew interview. And of course, Crelly will be along for the ride on that one. Trey might even chime in his thoughts on uh, SmackDown this Friday. But definitely tune in. 10.30 Eastern this Friday night on the SNS Radio Network. 
And, guys, that does it for WNL. We're out of here. Keep listening to all the content right here on the SNS Radio Network. And don't forget to check out our newest affiliation, the official news site of Wrestling News Live. That's www.wrestling.online.com. So with that said, JSK, take us out of here, my friend. We'll see you all next week on Wrestling News Live. Good night, everybody. Later. Cool. With that being said, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for everybody uh, that participates in the forum boards, and thanks for everybody participating in the chat room. Until next week, Peach 420, kiss my ass. Good night, white people. I'm out.
fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Anymore. 